Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, features, interviews with fighters, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and we are not doing a Rising podcast today. We are doing another unique podcast. With us today, we have Kyle Davis, the host of Top KVLT, a new horror podcast that is recommending movies that are you should watch while in quarantine. Kyle, thank you for joining me on this podcast and also to, to promote your new podcast as well. Andrew, it's my absolute pleasure. It's, uh, it's good to hear a familiar voice. Yes, yes, yes it is. So how have you been surviving quarantine other than doing um, quarantine movie watching? Oh, I mean, quarantine land's been great for me. Uh, just It's all about adapting, and uh, I have my, my lady uh, come and we work out together uh, like five times a week. Uh, we're cooking, we're reading, she's shaving my head. We're doing our best to look our like our best uh, Mad Max versions of ourselves in this mini apocalypse, and uh, yeah, we're having a good time with it. I saw the uh, buffalo cauliflower thing that you... Took from the uh, Alamo Draft House yesterday, and I am increasingly jealous of that of such a delicious meal that you made. We we thought of you because you're you're our most vegan friend that we know. I am, I am. <laughs> um, so yeah, we made a few modifications. We didn't quite go the vegan route, but yeah, we we've been missing our community and uh, uh, our our horror friends and talking to people at the movies and getting their their questions and their recommendations so we thought it'd be nice to, to, to do something to remind us of the alamo and, and like nighthawk and all these places that we love to visit so what's so yeah do you want to talk about your podcast first do you want to talk because you also watch some rising fights i'm happy to do whatever you want to do first um good sir it is your podcast and you have an mma fan base so i thought why what the hell why not start with the mma oh okay yeah because uh you also uh volunteered to watch some rising fights now before we get into the rising fights um, you are, an, well, uh, do you still watch anime? Do you keep up with it? Yeah, you know what? I started getting uh, a lot more back into UFC more recently before the world fell apart. And I was really looking forward to that Tony Ferguson, uh, Abib, Ma, Ma, I can't even try to pronounce that name right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to Habib uh, versus Tony. You know that fight and, will never happen. It should never happen. It, you know, they should just try to book it every time and just, because... You know, that's I want to see how much worse the world can get every time they book it, though. Well, that's the thing, is that every time that they've booked it, there has been, like, some tragedy. There has been some sort of horrific occurrence that has caused the fight to be uh, derailed. Like, like one time, Ferguson uh, tore his ACL by tripping over a television wire. Uh, yeah, and then there's a legendary tiramisu incident. Yes, uh... Um, what was it? Um, uh, Khabib, he got injured or something, and another another one he had to turn down because uh, it it conflicted Ramadan. Now, yeah, <laughs> a pandemic. I I just I just can't believe that this is five times that they've tried to make this fight in what like six years. Mm-hmm. I something think since something like eight years, right? I think the fight has been tr- they've been tr- it went from like lower mid card main card fights. To now uh, a main event fight that cannot be booked. It, it had to be since at least twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, I believe. Um, at least I think during like at least a, like when Connor was champion, um, the lightweight champion. I think that's when they because they were trying to do like a number one contender for Connor, 
and they were, they were trying to have it between the two, and then um, Connor was do, uh, was you know held the belt for like hostage, so they didn't interim between the two, right. and then Connor was going to defend it, but then the um, um, no, was was it the um, was it the incident where he threw the thing at the bus? I don't know, no, no, he wasn't booked for that. No, no, he was not booked for that. Um, no. Yeah, but every time yeah, they he just tried... threw like he what he threw like a. Apple, that's a bus window, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, at the Barclays. No, it's just been insane. Every time they try to book this fight, it's like, yeah, something comes up. So I think this is one, this is just a cursed fight that will never happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I hope it does, and I, I hope to see what kind of monstrosities it brings upon the world when it does. Oh, uh, well, um, you and I go way back, way, 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 way back. The Ring of Honor days, but also for beyond. Beyond that, you were a Pride fan. Is that correct? I was absolutely. What was it? Oh, yeah. What did you? What did you like about Pride the most? I'm sorry. Oh, well, I was gonna say, what did you like about Pride the most? Oh, the uh, the lawlessness. It, it was like it was like the Wild West, but in Japan, and uh, completely ungodly, and uh, and just a, a, a completely different terrain than anything more. Uh, weighed down by rules, no matter how important and necessary they may be. Now you are fa- the absolute lawlessness of it all. Now you are a fan of Don Fry, right? Yes, I am. You know what this is going to go into now, right? Uh, I do believe I do. Yes. We have to tell the story about how we met Don Fry. Well, how you how you found out it was Don Fry, and then we. I was so, I was so sure of it too. So. You're gonna have to help me because I got kicked in the head quite a lot in my lifetime. So um, okay, so we were working on the. Coming where? How many years ago do you think this was? This was so I think this was 2014, I believe. I think it was 2014, 2013. Because remember, we were working on Noah, yes. and that took forever to come out. It was like it was Fields on Long Island, yes. Yeah, and um, remember that we we had driven to the parking lot, and the bus was a van was taking us to set, and you just and you t- and you. Say to me, hey, I think Don Fry is working on this movie. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking Why would Don Fry be working on a fucking movie all the way out here in Long Island? So you think I saw, we saw him on the bus first? No, no, no. You saw him, I think, in your camp because you were in SAG at the time and yes, I wasn't. Yes, that's right. And you were yeah, convinced I, I, it was. Stunt people. Yeah. And I was like, who's this big, burly man with a mustache? I'm like, why does he look so goddamn familiar? And uh, and lo- and I and I went to you because you're my only MMA uh, friend, especially on set. And I'm like, hey man, I'm pretty sure this is Don Fry. But I didn't believe you because I'm just like, why would Don Fry be like all the way here on a movie at at at, at, at eight p.m. in December in the middle of like no, I'm Long Island, of yeah. all places. It just didn't make any man, sense. Right. But yes, it wound up actually being Don Fry. Yeah, at some point I gathered up the courage. I guess it was probably from just the boredom of being uh, in holding for hours on end. But uh, I walked out up to him and I'm like, hey man, pretty sure you're Don Fry. And uh, almost immediately everything just clicked. He's like, oh, yep, yep, that's me. And uh, and then I just found myself in the middle of a conversation with Don Fry that I really wasn't, you know, prepared for. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it, yeah, it, it just kind of it started going some turns. I kind of wish it didn't because I was I kept bringing up things that had happened to him in his career, um, and he kept giving some some rather rather depressing answers. But uh, 
and then we got to Godzilla because I'm a big Godzilla fan, as are you. And uh, and so we wanted I wanted to talk to him about Final Wars, and uh, he just kept kind of turning everything. He's like, oh yeah, I guess that was like uh, ten years ago now, huh? And he he, he kind of lulled himself into his own uh, like he he built the, the narrative for like where he's been since then. You know what I mean? Well, no, well, here's the thing. He told me that he enjoyed working on Final Wars because he had his own, like, personal, like, 24-7 chef. I, I kind of feel like I, I accidentally made them all upset, and, and, I, and I tried to ability, but I don't I, think I it was. I don't think he was upset. I mean, what, like, I did even ask him, you know, like, who would you fight now if you had a fight? And he said, he, he said to me, brother, absolutely nobody, you know? And so, like, I don't think he was upset yeah. or anything. You know, listen... I mean, he, I think, didn't he retire? He retired, like, from professional fighting, I think around, I think it was, like, a few years before, after Final Wars, I believe. I mean, it, it really? is, it's actually a really, it's actually, like, it was on, a, like, a regional show, so he fought some, like, nobody, and he got the, and he unfortunately got the shit kicked out of him. So yeah, man, that happens. Sometimes you know, after you just take too many punches to the face, like your jaw just won't have it anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, we I had to tell that story because I told that story so many times on the podcast, but now I finally you can finally confirm it. Just curious to know. Oh yeah, yes, this actually did happen, yes. Did you ever get to see Noah? I did. Did you like it? Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> it's really bad. Um sorry to hear that. I thought I, I liked it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked just like how they basically interpret Noah as basically a guy who is uh, um, it has what is it um, board, has like board, like split personality. He's clearly right. insane in that movie. He's he's not like a prophet. He is like downright insane. He's yeah, really... or he just talks to aliens and and God is a myth. I don't. I, there's there's multiple ways you can read the message of that movie. So I liked it for that. I liked it like that. I liked it for that. Um, Interpretation of Noah, but right. What's um, Noah Pride? Well, you know, let's talk about Ryzen because you voluntarily decided to watch some Ryzen fights, and I know I don't think you watched Ryzen before, have you? Um, I watched. There was a big Beluga Man versus Miracle Crow Cop. That was the last Ryzen fight I watched, where I, I, I definitely got, I definitely got the nostalgia of Pride back, but then at some point. There's this really big dude. I don't remember what his name is. Balu, Balu, Baluda. Baruto, Baruto, yeah. Baruto. And I'm like, look at this dude dominate. Like, I don't know how little experience he had, like mixed martial arts experience he has, but he's just bowling dudes over, and they cannot, for the life of them, withstand his awesome mass. And um, at at some point, he does the same to a, a now older, weathered Miracle Crow cop. And Mirko, I felt like he gave him just a shot, like as much of a shot as he could with a knee in his, in his solar plexus. And Bruno sold that like, like Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. And uh, I think that was the last time I watched Ryzen for a bit. Well, funny story. I was there for that show. And yes, Bruto, he was 3-0, I think, up until that point. He would just, uh-huh. no, you're right, he would just use his mass to just, like, he wouldn't do anything besides literally lay on people. He would take them down and lay on them. Because he would he have, like, hundreds. with legs. Yes, exactly. And actually, here's a funny thing, is that 
And he's an interesting guy because he was born in Estonia, uh, moved to uh, like moved to Japan to become like a sumo wrestler, um, became kind of like a, a, a like a roundabout foreign celebrity there. D- did like commercial is fluent in Japanese as well. He, I think he knows Estonian, whatever the language is in, is in Estonia, uh, English and Japanese. Um, uh, he became. I think he achieved Yokozuna rank, or if not, he was close to the Yokozuna rank, which is the highest rank in uh, sumo. Uh, really. Then he, you know, he went the Akibono route. You know, went to went to mixed martial arts, and oh. you know. Was he the best fighter? No, but he was winning against people who were like seasoned guys. And yeah, the 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 Krokop fight, yeah, yeah, he held he held him against the the uh, the turnbuckle, and then Krokop, you know, just because you know he's Krokop, he knows how to meet people. He needs him right. like right right in the right area. And Baruto goes down because I'm doubt I doubt he, you know doesn't matter if you're five hundred pounds or fifty pounds. If you take a a knee from Mirko Krokop, you're gonna like go down. It doesn't matter. <laughs> He went down in in his corner, like in the opposite side of the ring. It was it was really impressive. I think it was almost like he was trying to run away. It was like he realized that he like that he was fighting Mirko Krokop and like he right. wanted no more. Right. And, and like, uh, the second he realized who he was fighting. Forget exactly. to tell you that uh, Bruto is no longer in MMA. He uh, he did the Japanese TV sh- uh, TV show. I think. Why he's is still- he no longer fighting? Um. Was that the <laughs> I'm pretty sure that losing to Mirko, fighting Mirko Krokop, kind of like, I mean, because that was like his third or I was like, I think his fourth MMA fight. Just imagine, like, that's your fourth MMA fight. You're fighting Mirko Krokop. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> and now I think he's back in Est- I think he's back. He moved back to Estonia. Is now a government official in uh in the Estonia government, I believe. So, <laughs> so yeah, no more, no more uh Baruto, but uh. Yeah, so you did. Oh yeah, he would have been. He would have been. Um. So yeah. So you yeah. watched some rising fights that you wanted to watch, and you asked me to send you some. So, you know, yeah. let's go over all of them. Um. I'm happy to go over. You know, I know. I I think I sent them a little bit. Uh, I I sent them from. Um. I think it was the last show. The the the, the last show in 2019 they did. So, yeah, you sent me Rising 20. Yeah. So yeah, just. You know, let's go over those fights and tell me what yeah, you thought. Yeah, I, I took some notes. Uh, I think some are better. Yeah, some are better than others, and and I have each each fight labeled. So I think the first one you sent me was Mikura Asak- Asakura. Yep. Versus John Makaba. Yeah, John. Yeah, John Makaba's real name is 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 unpronounceable. So everybody just calls him Makapa. Makapa, got it. Okay. So yeah, yeah I just kind of took some some basic notes for each fight. Nothing nothing serious until fights really started uh i had a lot to say about some things which which gets a little bit more fun yeah but uh yeah so i had like asakuras uh you know kept setting up that left that he was looking for um uh makapa blocked a jumping knee then ate a right left combo um yeah and uh i have um i have uh i have some weird notes that i wrote like at one point it just started looking like fight night Sorry, go ahead. Um, like, like um, the way that Makapa was like was uh, dodging and moving his body and, and his head, it just kind of looked like somebody picked up a Fight Night Round Three controller and was trying to learn the controls all at once, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, in fairness, though, for that fight, Mak uh, Makapa was like was probably the the one. Everybody thought that Mikuru was gonna run over him. 
and here's like Mikuru like won like like three and all. No, there was no there's no question about it. But the fact that the Makapa actually got some nice shots into Mikuru were probably out of all the fights that Mikuru had, he was the guy who gave Mikuru like the closest like the the most competition that he's had so far. Yeah, um, well, I actually had one of my notes was Asakura uh, is walking Makapa down uh, at the end of the first round. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, yeah, I did have, like, Makapa stuns and wobbles Asuka, Asakura, right? Yeah, he got that one, you got that one good punch on him, and you're like, but yeah, he couldn't capitalize on it. Yeah, there was a right haymaker I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, at one point, uh, there was a there was a bit of a knockdown, and I had to I had to decrease the speed of the video to point twenty five to figure out um, what Asakura did, and it, it wound up being like this sloppy looking wobbly right that just happened to hit Makaba in the exact right spot, and it was uh it was it was, it was something jarring. <laughs> um, I also have. I also have a um, speaking of jarring. I have when when they're separated and they go to their corners. There's a random voice that comes over, and um, it's like uh, blue corner out, and like and it, it seems like teams were in there longer than they were supposed to be, but just being like in this this Japanese aesthetic, you know, and like uh, like being being captured by that that uh, that atmosphere, hearing random English. Like broken English was just like really jarring. Well, you know who that li- that lady is. That la- that's uh, Lenny Hart, the Pride Lady, the one who would do oh. the announcements. That who did announcements. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, she's still around. She's still around. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, and then I had round three. I had Makapa trips a leg catch, and uh, uh, trips off of a leg catch. Leg trip takes him down. He gets his back. Uh, jumping knee by Asuka at some point. Uh, against the ropes that wobbles Makaba. Uh, then Makaba just starts swinging wildly, uh, connects with the right, and uh, I had Mikura has a, a stone jaw. The crazy jumping into Giri to end the fight. And then uh, and their uh, style dark to, to end it. Yeah, yeah, so that, you know, that was, uh, yeah, that was, it was a good fight, like I said. And like I said, you know, nobody expected, everybody expected uh, Mikuru to walk through Makapa, like, because uh, they were do so. Th- that car was part of a of a uh, of a two day event. Uh, that Bellator ran their, their a show in Japan the day before, um, and that uh, two days before. I mean, I think it was the day before. No, two days before. And then the next the, the, the next show was um, a Ryzen show, and they and they both shows had like Ryzen versus Bellator fighters, and that was the one of the uh, highlighted Bellator versus Ryzen fighters. With uh, Mikuru obviously um, representing Bellator. Oh. Fuck, no, not Bellator. Ryzen. And then uh, Makapa representing Bellator. How was that show? Oh, they were, uh, it was great. You know, all all the fights ended um, in, a, in a finish, if I remember. No, all the fights but one ended in a finish. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, like, it was like a great nice. Bellator show. This was, um... This was a show that was that was that Bellator show was main evented by Rampage and Fedor. Really? Yeah. So yeah, you was got. That, was that like Fedor's first? I'm sorry. What was that? Was that Fedor's uh, his first return? 
Uh, no, no, no. Fedorov had some fights in Bellator before that. He was in their uh, heavyweight Grand Prix. But it was supposed to be like this, like, one away fight that, uh, that, uh, that was supposed to happen, uh, but never did. And, uh, so, yeah, so basically, uh, Rampage came in at about... Oh, wait, didn't he go against, like, Caleb Dunn or something? Yeah, he, I, that was part of the uh, heavyweight tournaments uh, that they that, that Bellator right, had. Right, okay, and, um, yeah, but Rampage versus Bell, uh, versus, uh, Fedor, uh, Rampage came in at the heaviest he'd ever been. I think he was 250. He looked out of shape. He was absolutely, he looked absolutely disgusting. And Fedor knocked him out in the first round. Nice. And, uh, okay, so let's move on to the next fight. All right, the next fight was Kai Asakura versus Manel Kape. Hmm. Manel Kape. Or did I slaughter both of their names? Oh, no, you got Kai right. You got Kai right, but it's, it's Manel Kape. Uh, from, uh, Manel Cape. he's from Angola. Angola. Okay, um, yeah, they, I had that they were just trading bombs. Max on a low blow at some point. Kai stuffs a takedown attempt, and then he eats a left high kick. Uh, it's a complete war. There was a spinning back fist. Uh, I, I was I was comparing uh, a Manal Cape to Black Wayne Static, um, uh, which uh, I don't think is any longer with us, right? Who? Static X. Who's this? Wayne Static. Manal Cape had the same hair and beard combo. I don't know. So uh, he... <laughs> He had a spinning back fist, um, which opened up Kai for a five-shot combo to end the round. And then I had Manel drops Asakura with a right and pounces on him. And then Manel murders his face and head for the stoppage for in round two. Yeah, so what do you think of Manel Cape? Oh, he's an animal beast. So, um, yeah, 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 he, he, yeah, he, uh, he capitalized on every single situation that he needed to. And, uh... He had a serious intensity to him. You know, he wanted that. He wanted that stoppage. Well, a little backstory about that fight. So they had, they both had a fight um, two years ago. It was a split decision win for Kai. Very close fight. Very close fight. Uh-huh. Um, and then this fight was supposed to be a rematch between Kyoji Horiguchi and Kai Zakura uh, for the bantamweight title, but Kyoji tore his ACL, so then he vacated the title. So this, so basically. To had a rematch for the uh, vacant bandweight title, and now uh, even though um, Manel won the belt, he actually signed with UFC last month. So now the title's vacant again. Really? So now, yeah, he's going to be heading to uh, the UFC uh, to compete in their um, flyweight division, I believe. Were they openly trying to poach him, or was he on like one of those like Dana contender? No, 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 no. no. I think. I, well, this is one of the things that, that you know, I'm you know, we always try. Apparently, the people in Ryzen are on these like fight or are on these like you know per fight deals. But the problem is, is it seems like that they almost have like a clause where like they can like where the fighter can like exit the contract at any point because most most promotions I know when they have somebody who's champion, they are not going to let them leave. You know, so. Right. The fact that you know if they didn't if they if they didn't have like if Ryzen lost Manel because they because they didn't tie him down to like some sort of you know champions clause or something like that then that's on them. Um, yeah. Ryzen has actually lost a lot of people to UFC. Um, uh, about about five, four or five people. Um, actually, this is their second champ. They actually, Ryzen actually lost their light heavyweight champion 
to uh, USC as well. So he's not the first do one. Think, do you think it's because of an issue in leadership? I think it's it's more it's 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 more that that Japan that the that the contract that these contracts that these fighters sign in Japan uh, in Ryzen might be too open because also there was supposed to be a fighter who was supposed to fight two years ago in in US uh, uh, Ryzen and then she pulled out her debut fight citing a shoulder injury and then. A month later, sign with UFC. Ooh, that's dirty. So you know, I think there's kind of a little bit of suspicion. You know, was it really soldier? It, yeah. it wasn't. A, it wasn't a soldier injury. Also, you know, they also have to realize is that you know a lot of foreign people are not going to be exclusive to your promotion just because that's how you're. Uh, that's how you know people normally are in your country. You know, there's a right. people if whoever's gonna make the highest offer will leave the country. To, uh, will leave for the other promotion. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's, it's a business decision. A business, oh, it's business. business. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's an absolute business decision. Um, you know, that's you know, that's you know, if if if, if, if Rise is not gonna make the best offer, then then that person's right. not gonna stay there. It doesn't matter if they're champion or not, but it's also the responsibility of the promotion to. To tie down their champions so that they don't leave, you know that they don't, you know. Um, yeah, no, something definitely should be done about that. I'm cause... trying to think. I, I think you. I think one time it ever happened in UFC. I think. Um, I think it was Randy. Was Randy Couture heavyweight champion? Then he left UFC or he quit UFC. There was one. I, there was somebody UFC who it happened like once and it's like never happened again. So that's why, like you know, you gotta like make you guys. Well, how many times champion? Sorry, what was that? Because Couture lost to Lesnar. Was this before that? No. Oh, wait. No, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't Randy Couture. There was somebody US, this, that US, uh, the USC once lost um, that they just um, left the promotion. Um, maybe, was it Barnett? No, wait. Barnett got the uh, drug suspension. Um, but yeah, no. There's re- they got they got to be a lot more cognizant of their fighters and realize, yeah. You can't lose your champions, especially because you lost, this is your second champion that you've lost this year. Um, yeah, no, it does not make your brand look good at all. No, it makes you no, especially if they're all going. It makes you look like a feeder league. It's it makes you look, even uh, unintentionally. Um, let's yeah. let's move on to the next fight that you have. Okay, I would love to because that was my favorite fight of the night, and I have since then showed this fight to a number of people because now. Um, Cursing is allowed, right? Because because my language gets really colorful during this fight. That's fine. Okay. All right, so Tenshin Nas- Nasukawa, uh, Nasukawa, right? Versus yep. Rui Ibata. Yes. Okay. Um, it, it, I saw that the video said kickboxing. So I was like, oh, okay, is this like that, that carny aspect of fight where now they'll just start having certain matches that are different rules? And... Um, and different style attractions, and I was, and that's always fun, you know. It, it could be very, it could be silly at times, but um, oh, here it was greatly appreciated. Uh, I saw that. So the gloves are different size now; they're more like boxing gloves. And um, so what I thought was I was watching was a normal fight now. So here's here's what I have, and I'll give you direct word for word. This is my review of this fight. Front kick to the jaw by tension, followed by a right-left-right combo. 
Tension lands are left for a delayed reaction KO. And then, and then that's when I think the fight ends. And then in caps I write, oh shit, it ain't over, time for some carny shit. And then, Tension walks down an unconscious man and murders his face. That's when, that's when like, the, the round is over. It's like, oh, there was a knockdown, so then they, they stand them both back up, right? Yeah. All right, I didn't know that I was watching that. So oh, yeah, they're, they're doing the th they do the three knockdown rule. Right, right, which is so insane to me. But, like, I, I'm so appreciated, even though it's probably horrible for the fighters. Um, so, all right, Tension walks down an unconscious man and murders his face. Brutal body shot and ends with more face murder. And then I think the fight's over. And then I, go, and then I write, never mind, oh, God, he's coming back to pick the bones. Laughing hard now. Mother of God, spinning kick to his life. Kick to his brain. One two combo ends this public assassination. Hilarious. So you did <laughs> so are you did you know who Tenshin Nasukawa was before this match that you watched? No, I didn't. You didn't know about the Floyd Mayweather fight that he had? No, was that him? He yeah, that was, he was the one who had the the exhibition boxing match with Floyd Mayweather. Um, oh, so that's when he looked really good, and then he, he had that exhibition match, and he got fucking destroyed, right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, man, okay. Now, here's the thing. He's undefeated in pro kickboxing, and he's had this, this reputation that apparently he doesn't fight, like, top competition, which is, like, totally, like, not true at all. Um, okay. So, when this fight was, hap was, was booked, the uh, Japanese kickboxing fans were like, okay, this is Tenshin Nasukawa's toughest fight. If this will really show how good of a kickboxer he is, and you just and look what happened. He totally destroyed the, the one guy that everybody said was was supposedly the toughest competition that he ever faced. He so, murdered this man to hilarious results. Yeah, so you know it was when I you know I was almost buying to the hype that maybe Rui Bato would be a little bit different than Nasukawa, but it, you know. In the end, I realized, you know what? It's not. Listen, Nasakawa's on a different level than virtually everybody he's faced. I uh, do also want to address the fact that I don't think it's fair to judge somebody on a three knockout, a three knockdown fight, because because you'd have no idea how bad that first knockdown is. Well, that's true, but that's how that's the rules. Uh, that's that that's the rules. That's the type of uh, they they developed the Oriental style of, of kickboxing rules. No no knockdown. I mean three knockdowns, no elbows. So that's how they. Oh. That, that's that's the rule set they go by. I know that you know. I have no problem I, with it, and I would I would watch every fight ever like that. Mm -hmm. Because of a, that's just because like I'm probably a bad person. I mean, here's but, a, you do bring up a good point about you know there have been times where I've watched uh, kickboxing matches and you they, the person gets knocked down. But, like, they got pushed down, and it was clearly not a knockdown, but the referee says right. knockdown, and vice versa as well. So, I get that. Um, so, would the trip count? No, no, a trip wouldn't count, but there have been times where, like, someone gets a jab, and they kind of, uh -huh. it's more of like a push to the face. And sometimes, you right. know, if you push somebody in the face, they fall down. It's now a right. knockdown. They are clearly cognizant. They know, they have all their bearings. And, yeah, that's, that's what's happened before. And there have been times where someone misses, you know, uh, you know, they, they kind of just trip and then they right. take, they just, they just trip, uh, you know, because, you know, they, they, 
it wasn't the. It's not the. It wasn't because they were they were they were rocked or anything. It's because kind of the punch was like it was more impactful. The punch, but like they're not damaged or anything. It just like it just like pushed right. him down. And then yeah, yeah the referee also has to do with that issue as well. Yeah, so I I get you know I know there's a lot of people I know there's people who don't like the three knockdown rule. I mean boxing, you know. Some fights, you know, there is no standing eight count, you know. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a preference thing. Um, you know, well, listen, uh, I think it's fascinating. Um, it's something different, you know. Yeah. Um, Which is always appreciated. But what did you, so were your what were your impressions of Tenshin Asakawa after this this match? Oh, a fucking beast, a cold blooded assassin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, is. It's a straight murderer. At one point, he saw that this dude could not even lift his arms to defend himself, so he did like, like a a Dragon Ball Kai, whatever that PS2 game was, where he, where he did his whole finishing special on this guy, where he did like three spins in the air and landed such a brutal, uh, like crescent kick to this dude's dome that it was just like there's no reason this fight should still go. Now, um, oh yeah, the tension has also has a, I think it's a let's see, one two, a four and zero MMA MMA record, but he came close to losing his last MMA match. It was the only match of his that went to a decision in his MMA career. Um, really, and he has said that he has aspirations to do pro boxing in America. And maybe, uh, and it looks like he maybe has said he would be interested in going to UFC at some point. Do you think, what do you think he could make it as a pro boxer? That's the thing is, I don't know anything about his boxing experience. Um, uh, you know, like his hands look good, but I don't know, I don't know how trained he is in bo- in boxing. Um, mm-hmm. I think he'll fit right in. I I think he can fit. Beautifully snug in the UFC for sure. Um, I, I would be very interested to see how he does, but I, as far as I know, his only boxing experiences was his uh, Mayweather, right? Uh, yes. Uh, well, his um might be. I don't know if that's his been his only pro box. That might be his only like pro boxing match that I can recall, like major, I believe. Hey man, if like they're gonna let CM Punk run in and do his thing, why not? Oh, that's a good point. That is, I mean, you know, I think I think people could would definitely tune in to you know to see. Uh, there's, always, there's always an audience and an att- for an attraction like a freak show. Now, also, Conor McGregor has said that he'd be interested in fighting Tenshin Nasukawa in a boxing match. What do you think? Very interesting. I know Connor has a lot more boxing experience. He's um, also much bigger than Tenshin. He was a Golden Gloves champion, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know. If, no, I don't think he was Golden Gloves, but he's also much bigger than Tenshin as well. He's got about twenty or thirty pounds on him. Dropping down. Um. Well, that's a. Pro- I don't think Connor Tenshin fights. He's fought as low as one fifteen and as high as one thirty five. I don't think he weighs more than 140 uh, on, on on any given day. So no matter what, Connor would have. I feel like how can go to Sorry, what was that? 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, how how long ago did Connor say this? Uh, he said it during the whole Mayweather uh, when this whole when the pro the promotion for the Mayweather uh, NASCAR uh, thing was happening. Oh, okay. I mean, I think at this point, I, I think his um, his aspirations and his goals are are extending far beyond. But I, I think it would be an interesting fight if they could agree on uh, on a, a, a weight limit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, it definitely would, you know, you know, if you want to get people talking about a fight, that's how you get people talking about a fight. Put Connor in it. That's just, that's just how it is. It's very true. So, know, he's, what, he's a cultural phenomenon. What's the next, uh, fight that you have? I have, uh, Luis Gustavo versus Patricky Pitbull. Okay, great, great. Now, there's a little bit of background. This was, uh, quarterfinals for the, uh... Lightweight tournament Grand Prix that that Ryzen had that, uh, last year. What did you think about okay. this? I wrote down Pitbull looks like a fucking murderer, and then and then immediately after that I have been caps. Holy fuck, I was right. And then I wrote murder in the corner and soccer ball kick to the front of the brain to finish it. Haven't seen that since the days of Wanderlei Silva and miss it so. Mhm. Yeah, so it was a uh, these two were randomly drawn to fight in the quarterfinals, and then um, uh, and uh, what happened was that um, uh, Patrick, yeah, uh, this was Luis Gonzalez's first ever uh, finish loss. He had he lost one fight before, but that it was a decision loss. Um, okay. But uh, this one, yeah, it was. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it, why am I keep on saying quarterfinals, semifinals, and. Um, yeah, but, uh, Pitbull, um, yeah, just demolished the young kid. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it looked real rough. Oh, yeah, no, it was. It was It was an incredibly beautiful display of violence. Um, yes, more. Must have enjoyed the soccer kick as well, remind you of pride and all that stuff. Yes, yeah, I, man, I really missed that. I mean, I know I understand why it's gone and it doesn't exist anymore, but I, I, it, it's nice to see. What about the next fight that you have? I have Jake Hewing versus Satoshi Ishii. Yes. Yes. So, did, was Jake Hewing's entrance in this, by the way? Or no? Was this... I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, but I wrote down Jake Hewing is new age heat powering with pants. <laughs> uh, is that a compliment or is that a... I don't know. Is that a compliment? Maybe? It's a compliment. Herring had the own style. Um... And, you know, like, it's like when, when there's a new iteration of something, it's, it's nice to see those same uh, character uh, caricatures portrayed in similar ways. So, so like, with this being what, what we have closest, like, a new pride, it's nice to see some things that, that remind you of such, you know, like that soccer ball kick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what did you think of this fight, Hyun versus Ishii? Uh, there's just two meaty bowls and there's just like there's this like that 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 kind of heavyweight noise when flesh smacks flesh, you know. It's just it, it, it's it, that's it's the man's kind of fight, you know. At some point, I have Jake Hewn drops Ishii and pounds on his head with hammer fists for the finish. Mm-hmm. Now you uh, for I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say, do you remember Ishii? He's been around for a long time. You don't remember him from like. 
don't know. I, I think he, did he fight in Pride? He may have fought in Pride once, but he also fought in like Dream and uh, Bellator. You didn't recognize him at all. He looked. I thought he looked familiar, but I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't really put uh, connect the dots or anything like that. Okay. Uh, he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So maybe I have seen before, but I don't know. I'm not quite sure. And uh, so, uh, but so, what was your impression of Hune? Oh, you you actually you said you did like a, like pink uh, hair and pants with pants. Like a new Heath Herring. Yeah, like Herring had some Herring had some uh, some embarrassing fights, but uh, he, he's still uh, you know, I, I thought he was still an okay fighter. You know, I, I didn't I didn't dislike him. I don't think a name association should equal a uh, uh, an insult. Too bad that uh that I, I that, that, that it didn't have the entrance in there because what JQ has known has been known for is coming out with these colorful entrances like he has come out to uh, dressed up as uh Tom Cruise from Top Gun Star Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy um what else has he come out to oh yeah he's also really? yeah he's also uh, for this fight he came out dressed as um as uh, John Travolta from Saturday Night Live Saturday Night Fever excuse me. And, oh, um, that's great. So yeah, he's always he's always got the colorful, vibrant entrances uh, that unfortunately uh, get pulled off YouTube very quickly. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. What What do you think of? Ishi? Uh, yeah, that's a shame. I, I would love to see that. What do you think of Ishii? Um, as best as you can, perhaps. Let's see. I think that's somebody I would like to see fight more before making a full opinion, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. That's fair, that's fair. Like, some of these guys had very definitive... I think some of these guys had very definitive performances, and it, it's easier to talk about them than somebody that, you know, uh, kind of gets lost in 12 fights, you know? I gotcha. Uh, so, what did you... Uh, what's, we'll move on to the next fight yeah. in that case. Sure. I had Tofik uh, Mutsayev versus Johnny Case. Yes, yeah, so this also was a semifinals in the lightweight Grand Prix. And uh, so, what did you think about this what fight? I what did I think about this? Well, I didn't know it, but you would have me watch another Tofik Mutsayev fight afterwards, yes. later on. Yes, yes. So, this would be the first two fights I would see with this man. Um. Uh, running knee from Tofik backs up Johnny Case, but Case recovers with a big slam. Uh, a left drops Case, Tofik with a mounted hammer fist for the stoppage. So Tofik was impressive. He, he looked very good. What do you think of Johnny Case? I mean, in the few seconds, in the few minutes, I should say, of watching him. You're right. Do you, do you care uh, if, you, if there's anything? Because uh, he, he, uh, he, he was kind of dominated there. Yeah, yeah, so, um, but, um, there's the next fight that you have, the, uh, lightweight grand, uh, finals? I have Akid versus, uh, Miyu Yamamoto. Oh, okay, okay, um, yeah, let's just, let's move on to that fight, because then we can talk more about the two, uh, the two, uh, finalists for the, uh, lightweight grand prix when we get to that, so, yeah, let's talk about the next fight, um. Good, because, good, because I would love to ask you about the finish. Of uh, this fight? Do you, do you... Yeah, for Miyu Yamamoto versus Anthony Rocket. Yeah, okay. 
I have I have a beautiful double leg takedown by my by Miu. Miu passes into side guard. Uh, she gets she traps the arm and then she's just pounding pounding on Amp's face. Um, there's little pride knees to the brain. Um, and then I wrote squirm little rocket. And then at some point, it, I just wrote, okay, cool. The fight ended, I guess. No finish. Everyone just decided that they were done. Do you know what happened there? Because I don't. There, maybe there was an issue in translation, or did I send you the full fight? You sent was... me that whole fight. Everybody asked, like the fight was over. I just didn't see a finish. It just went all three rounds. Uh, it was decision loss for Amp. It was a decision loss. I don't think I saw a, a decision. Oh. Oh, I may have accidentally sent you. So when it so some of the fights that are aired on Fuji TV, they sometimes just do them in clips. They, they sometimes don't even do the full fights. Oh, okay. Well, you know this fight wasn't the wasn't the most exciting fight, so I'm that's my bad. I didn't even realize that. Oh no, it's okay. It, it made for a little funny note that I wanted to. Any any notes okay. about either fighters by any chance? I know. Well, Miu had some nice takedowns. Uh, she she's a solid wrestler. Amp uh, Amp really uh, really had to fight in this one to, to get off her back. But um, yeah, it just seemed like Miu was just a better better wrestler. So you do you, you of course know who Kid Yamamoto is right? Yes. That's Miu's brother sister. Excuse me. Really? Kid, oh, sorry, Kid is. Is Miyu's sister? Right. Yes. yes. Is Miyu's no Miyu's brother? Oh my God! I'm so I. Yes, you're right. You're yes. right. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. She you know she had a hell of a ground game. Really. Do, do you also know? Uh, do you also know she is 45 years old? Wow. Really. And she actually wrestled. Uh, do you know the show The Big Egg from All Japan Woman back in like the 1991 or two? I think it is. This was like this was like a six this was a six hour show that All Japan Women's Wrestling put on. Sorry, ninety four. Okay. And Miyamoto was in that. So she's been wrestling. Really? She's been competing at some sort of level. Since 1994, or like oh, the, yeah, even yeah, before, yeah, even yeah, before 94, yeah. even before 94. I'm sorry, the show actually lasted 10 hours somehow. Wow! Holy hell! Yeah, she carried herself like like a legend, so that kind of makes sense now. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to the next fight. What do you have for the next fight? I have Jerry Pro Prochaska versus Sydney Dalloway. Ah yes, yes. Um, this was the guy who. Totally I... got I'm sorry. Well, oh yes, yeah. Not much to say about this fight, really. Yeah, probably. No. no, I just had feeling each other out, and then I didn't even get to finish the words out, and then big uppercut knockout, and it was actually the left that. So yeah, Jiri, as I told you, he was the other uh, fighter and champion who uh, UFC signed as well. That was his. That, that was both Manel Cape and Jiri's last fight in Ryzen at, on this show. What do you think of Jiri? 
Jaron looked good. Uh, where where is he going now? Oh uh, well, he, yeah, he's going to UFC now. He he got signed by UFC. Oh okay okay okay. So was there just like a massive poaching recently? I think I think UFC just was like, well, you know, let's get their champions. Let's get their champions. Um, they it, they've signed other people before, but like th- this is the first time. Uh-huh. This is the first time that they've lost like champions. And these, and by the way, the both um actually no no Jerry was their first lightweight light heavyweight champion. Um, and El Capo was their second. But yeah, this is the first time that they've lost the, that they've lost two champions. And also in the stand of like a year as well. <laughs> um, yeah, it does not look good. No, it doesn't. So funny thing is, Jerry is. Jerry reminds me of, it reminds me of the great. Jerry reminds you. Reminds me of the great talent poaching of PWG in 2015, 2016. Uh, where they signed, where WWE signed almost everybody on the PWG roster. With the entire goddamn roster, like younger, like Kyle O'Reilly, like everybody, everybody got like taken away in like in a span of like a month. Do you know that PWG is not as good as it used to be? It's not. I haven't. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because I really have not been paying any attention to it whatsoever, unfortunately. Uh, once, once the venue changed, like a part of my heart died, and like. Closed the door with it, you know. Uh, you know, like the uh, Globe. What's it? The Globe Theater. I don't know. There, there was a magic to that venue, and uh, I, I don't. I, I associate that venue with PWG, the American Legion Hall. Well, that's not fair. But it closed down. The, 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 the guy sold it. Um, I know. I know. It's not of any fault of anybody's. It's just. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's like uh, you know when when something just stops feeling the same way. It, it, it's it's sometimes it's better to just say goodbye. You know. I got you. Um, let's move on to the next fight. Yes, Rina Kubota versus Lindsay Van Vincent. Yes. Oh man. Okay, so uh, this went all th- this went three rounds, and. Uh, at some point, Lindsay climbed her back like a spider monkey. Uh, Rena stuffed some takedown attempts. Um, the third round happens when Rena stuffs a takedown, and then Rena flattens her out and grounds and pounds, and the ref stops it and tells her that it's over. Rena cries, and I'm confused again. So I think that's another fight where I don't have a finish for. Oh, oh my god. Um... Okay, so just a little bit of background. This was a this was a rematch between the two. The two fought uh, in New York, actually the uh, Bellator, the same year, uh, a few months before, and Lindsey Van Sant defeated Reyna by rear naked choke. Now, okay, with Ryzen rules, Reyna got a win back. Now, here's the thing, though, is you know I don't know if you know this, Reyna is maybe the one of the top women's kickboxers in all of Japan. Maybe the world. Maybe even the world. Okay. Um, wow. What did you, I mean, so this wasn't the full, were you able to, is there anything that you can ascertain, you know, about Reyna or Lindsey Van Sant's fighting chance? I know, I think if I may have sent you the clipped, the clipped fight by accident. Yeah, I don't know, because nothing, none of it feels clipped. It's just, it almost feels like, 
it's missing anything or it feels like the finish was botched. Like as if it was, you know, like, like it feels like went home and then they just kind of like told the audience what happened, you know? Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not like it's clipped. It, the finish is, is strange. Gotcha, gotcha. What about the next fight? Yeah. Okay, to the next fight. Let's see. We got that. And uh, I kept going back to you, and I was like, you sure this is a fight I got to watch? Because it was Tofik Musayev versus Pitbull Freire. So is that Pitbully again? Oh, uh, yeah, that's that. This was the finals of the Lightweight Grand Prix um, match. And uh, what did you what do you have for this fight? So was this also? I'm sorry, what was that? Was this also on that card? Yes, it was. It was later on the show. Was this fight also on that card? Yeah, they did. Uh, they had the uh, semifinals. So uh, they had Tofik. Yeah, Tofik and both uh, Patricky both fought twice. Oh, that's badass. Okay, that's really that's wild. Yeah, it is. It, it really yeah, is. Sorry, Do they have multiple fights in one night often? Um, only for tournaments. Only for for tournaments for the uh, semifinals and then the finals. Okay. And here's a weird thing right, as well. That's really interesting. The weird thing was that they had so for every other tournament they've had alternates. This one they did not have any alternates. So and I found that very very like okay you're like risking a lot when you don't have any alternates. Um, book so. Yeah. Sure. Because also so. Apparently, what happened uh, in the Johnny Case uh, in the uh, Gustavo fight? Apparently, Patricky broke his hands, um, and I think, I think as well, Tofik got injured somehow in the Case fight. I don't remember what exactly injured, but I think he got some he got some sort of injury. But I definitely know that that Patricky broke his hand in the uh, Gustavo fight. Okay, gotcha. So then they so either way they just say fuck it and they have to keep fighting. Yeah, basically they they get cleared by a doctor and then uh, yeah. Right, right. Cleared by a doctor in Japan. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay, so for for this fight, I have the first round just being an absolute back and forth war, and then round two I have oh god there he goes pitbull falls through the ropes. Now um. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he had much uh, pro wrestling experience because he definitely didn't tuck his chin there. No, no, he and did not. He just, just kind of dropped on the top of his head. Um, luckily, that's not the end of the fight, even though he fought a full fight before this. And um, Pitbull gets back in, and uh, they keep fighting. Uh, high knee stuns Tofik for a second, but he lets him recover. Um... Tofi gets his back, and then almost done once again. Uh, so, in, in the middle of them. Ref distracts Pitbull, and Tofik punches him in the face for it. So try to get both their attention, and Tofik wouldn't have it. Sorry, you you were breaking up when you said that. Well, what what did you say? What happened? Like it just stopped Pitbull in his tracks. Wait, Kyle, you um, broke up. stands I... up and manages to make his way to his feet and then walk three. I'm sorry? Sorry, your connection is breaking up. What did you say? Oh, um, did you hear uh, the end of round two? No, I didn't hear it. No, I didn't hear it. Could you uh, say that again? Sure, sure, sure. Um, 
I had Tofik um, gets his bag and almost sends him through the ropes again. And then it looked like at some point, um, Tofik had a pitbull, um, and the ref just kind of stepped in and like interrupted them. Mm. And like they both just looked at the ref, like asking him what he wanted. And then as that was happening, Pit, uh, Tofik just drilled pitbull in the face. Because he was like, the ref just stopped him, like for no reason. It was like a complete distraction. Hmm. I don't remember that. I gotta look back and see that. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was comical. Uh, so what so do I, and, before you go on, I, just, I, have, I have a question yeah. to ask you about the uh, falling out of the ring. What do you think about that? And also, do you do you, you understood why uh, Tofik got a yellow card for that uh, for that, right? Uh, what 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 did he do? Well, it wasn't what he did. Someone on Tofik's team tried to run. Did you see that he, like, kind of like the old guy tried to, like, run? He did, like, a baseball dive to try to, like, prevent uh, Patricky from, like, hitting the floor. That was considered interference. So the referee gave Tofik a yellow card. And actually, what happened, apparently, as a result of that, apparently Patricky injured his shoulder um, because of that. So he had a broken hand. Yeah, and it did not look too good after that at all. Um... That's really that's interesting. That's really funny. That's the first time I've ever seen that happen in a in a MMA fight where somebody got penalized because of interference. Because they tried to protect their fighter. Well, no, he was, the funny thing was that he was trying to protect the other fighter. If, if you know if if Tofik would have been better off had his had his teammate not uh, run in there to try to save uh, Patricky, quite honestly. Right. That's that's ridiculous. Um. All right, so then the third round uh, amounts to, let's see, Pitbull misses a spinning back fist until Feek pinpoints a series of rights. Pitbull fails a takedown and falls asleep on Tofik in the corner. Um, some dude decides to be an asshole and poke Tofik, and he doesn't appreciate it at all. Uh, what was the story behind that? What was going on there? Uh, what, what was this? Um, at some point, I think Pitbull just completely gasses himself out, mm-hmm. and um, and he just backs up Tofik in the corner, and he's just holding him there. Oh yes, yes. So um, so what happened was that uh, so yeah, he, uh, Tofik is in the corner, and what he's doing so to prevent from being taken down, Tofik was holding the rope, and in Patricky's oh. corner. His twin brother Patricio was like tell, was like screaming at the ref that that Tofik was like underhooking the ropes. Got it. Okay. And re- actually, the referee okay, so should have. So that dude's poking Tofik. Okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, I don't know if it was he poking Tofik or was he like? It made. Yeah, he pokes him at some. Oh, okay. Tofik, like gives the guy a there. Okay. Um. I think I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, sorry, go ahead. That would make sense. And then I have Pitbull acts like he meant to be winded and delivers ineffective knees for the finish. Uh, Tofik wins. Yeah. So, what was your impression of Tofik Musayev? Uh, Tofik looks like a well-rounded fighter. Um, he he wasn't. Uh, he still had his wind by the end of the fight. Um. Yeah, why is he coming to UFC also? Well, funny you say that. He was apparently scouted by UFC, but apparently he did turn them down. He is still rising. 
at, at this current junction. So he has not signed up to USC at this point, though I highly suspect he probably will go to USC at some point. So in your personal professional opinion, why would somebody turn down UFC and continue to stay in Ryzen? Um, let's see. Um, you know, maybe Ryzen did like offer him more money. Who knows? It's quite possible. Also, the sure. landscape, the MMA landscape. Um, he is from Azerbaijan. Um, he's a the lightweight division of UFC is very competitive. And the thing is, is that it would be kind of like being a, a, a big fish in a small pond. You'd be a small pond, a small, bleh, a small fish in a big pond in USC. If gotcha. he can, if he can win, the, the, if he can become the first rising lightweight champion. Now, the, now keep on, this wasn't for the, the, the lightweight title. It was for a Grand Prix tournament um, championship. So not the official lightweight belt. So if he... Can become the lightweight champion. A lot more negotiating power, probably a lot more money he can negotiate for. Um, he could probably get, you know, accelerate his way up the UFC ladder. If he just goes now, you know, you know, it's probably like he has little negotiating power. He, he, you don't know who UFC will feed him to. So I think that's also, I think that's the reason why he kind of is thinking like the long. I think he probably thought the long term. That's at least what I suspect. Um, okay. I mean, and who knows? Maybe he just maybe he doesn't want to go to USC. Maybe that's like that's like some dark hidden answer. I I sincerely doubt it, but I think I think probably I think two year two years from now. I think by twenty twenty one, if the whole world hasn't ended, he will be in USC. Okay. No, well, looking forward to seeing that. Looking forward to see what the world looks like. Oh yes, that'll be uh, interesting. Twenty twenty one. Yes, so um, then, then the fights start getting real fun and, uh, and interesting. We had Taiju Shiratori versus Taiga Kobe. Yes, another kickboxing match. Yes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, and that starts really picking up in round two. Um, I have Taiju has a ridiculous height and reach advantage on Taiga, yeah. and he continues to charge forward. Um, both men are swinging for the fences at the end of the round. Um, and then there's this enormous fucking gash on Tyga uh, when they're, when they're checking him in the corner. Um, and he, and I said, Tyga is now a James Bond villain. Yes. Um, interesting. So, uh, uh, this fight was a rematch that the two had at the previous show. Uh, Ryzen 18, and what happened was that that went to a decision. But what happened was that so Tiger has been on on like this long, had been on this long ass losing streak, um, and he won one other fight previous to that. But like he looked horrible in that match. So Tiger, so Taiju and Tenshin Natsukawa are training partners, and Tiger has has said he wants to fight Tenshin. So basically, this is kind of like oh okay, you want to go. Go meet tension. You gotta get through his training partner first. Uh, Taiju, it, like you said, he's very tall. He's tall. He he fights at one thirty-five. I think this was at one thirty-five. And the two of them, yeah, Tai uh, Taiju is is uh, six feet tall, which makes him really tall for that uh, division. And uh, Taiga is really short. He's about five foot four. So, um, ergo, the two the, the two looked so it was like. 
It was like a, a, a roundabout way, a freak show fight in a weird way. So yeah, it looked like when you create a character in, in, in the fighting game. Yeah, and so what happened was, yeah, Taiju won the first fight, but what happened was that in the second round, was it the second round? It was the second or the third round. Uh, Taiga got this, got these two knockdowns on Taiju, like out of nowhere. Because here's the thing, Taiga kind of just like, he does the same like, like right hook. They always, he does it in every fight and he, you could see it coming from a mile away. But for some reason, Taiju didn't see it these two times, and he got sure. knocked down twice. And so the audience was like going crazy because they thought, "Oh, Taiju is gonna not, is gonna do like gonna get his first big win in a long time." Unfortunately, yeah. he didn't capitalize on it because he his fight IQ was really really low, and he went on to lose the fight. But it warranted a rematch. And then th- this is how the fight this is how that fight ended. So, what was your impression of, of both these fighters uh, in this fight? Like, are you still there? Uh, um, June. Uh, yeah. Sorry, you're breaking up. Here. You're still breaking up, yeah. Kyle. Sorry about that. No oh, man. Uh, how is it now? Okay, that's better. That's much better. All right. So yeah, yeah, Taiju. Um. If he's if he's dropping that much weight for his, um, yeah, it, it became a war near the end. Um, but yeah, there was a really. Just the way that I think Tiger uh, Tiger shot in, and he just ate this thing, and it just. I would definitely watch fighters again. Mm-hmm. So, in your in your professional opinion, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, in your professional opinion, do you think Taiga would be worthy of fighting Tenshin Nasakawa? I don't watch Nasakawa fight anybody. Oh, you don't want him to. You don't want to watch him fight anybody. That, that he he made a, a he made me a complete fan after his. Yep. Uh, you want to move on to the next fight? Yeah, sorry about that, man. That's fine. Okay. Yes, so uh, are we continuing? Yep. Okay, so the next fight I had uh, Vitaly Shematov. What am I looking at? Vitaly Shematov? Is that right? Yep, that's right. Vitaly Shematov. Vitaly Shematov versus. Vitaly Shematov versus Simon Byung. Yep. Right? Yep, that's correct. Okay, so I have round one. Round one, I have, holy hell, Vitaly tried to put a hole in Simon's head with a jumping knee. Vitaly with a nice spinning back kick to the ribs. Uh, he, I, I wrote that he's deceptively fast. Uh, Simon botches a takedown, but eventually brings Vitaly down. Vitaly gets a beautiful armbar counterattempt from the bottom. Uh, Simon with some brutal knees to the kidneys while defending. Um, uh, Vitaly was cut from an elbow, and then Simon controls the rest of the round. Stiff punches to the brain, and Vitaly is slow to get back up, uh, for the end of the round. 
In round two, Simon pounces on the tally and lands bombs until it's called. The tally being a bloody mess. What was your impression of, of uh, both of these fighters? The tally impressed. I really liked him. Um, yeah, for his size, deceptively faster is, is what I wrote. And, uh, yeah, Byung capitalized uh, when, when he saw an opening. And uh, that was that. So, funny thing. Shemitov. He yes. got into Ryzen in a very unique way. So basically, he was campaigning. He went. On, he he used social media to basically get fans to 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 hashtag Shemotov to Ryzen and basically ask fans to tell Ryzen to sign him to a fight contract. And he even visited the Ryzen office, like in in a video, like on video. To ask if they can sign him. Really? Unfortunately, when he went, he arrived. It, the the office was closed. So he's very known. He's a he has a very uh he used social media to basically work his way into a con fight contract with Ryzen. And is he still with them now? Um, I think I think he had two fights on his contract. I I I'm sure the the fight deal must be over. But would you bring in your after seeing this fight? Would you bring him back again? Um, after seeing this fight, well, how did he do in the other fight? He lost basically the same way. He got the shit kicked out of him, and actually, it was Jake Hewen who uh, who uh, bloodied him up. Actually, really? yeah. All right, so then maybe it's not looking too good for him. And Sam Young, he's an interesting character. He's um. He's Cameroonian, but trains in Italy, and so he's considered like one of the top light heavyweight prospects. Also, very tall. I think he's like six seven or six eight. Uh, he's very very tall, very very lean. Um, he's definitely a guy who the UFC will sign like two years from now um, when they get wind of him. I guarantee that. Okay. So why why wouldn't they be uh, uh, knowledgeable about him right now? Well, because he's only he's only had about eight fights right now. Uh, you know they may be aware of him, but like he hasn't done anything like significant really, other than fighting Ryzen. Um, so he's done nothing. He, he's not won like a a major title. He hasn't done anything like that. So um, yeah, so they. Yeah, they Ryzen the USC tends to get, to get you know when someone becomes a champion for a major organization like Bellator Ryzen or One or another uh, uh, organization that's when they become like they become on their they go on USC's radar as 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 a must sign. Gotcha. Okay, that's that's fair. That's understandable. Um, all right, then I have uh, what else do I have? I have Seo Hiham versus Ayaka Hamasaki. Yes. Um, I wrote a lot about this fight. I don't want to share too much, but that's the last fight you sent me. Am I wrong? Uh, I think that may have been. Yeah, I tried to find one of the other fights, but I just couldn't find it. And uh, yeah, this fight was for the women's super atom weight championship and these two had fought two times before and Hamazaki beat Ham twice 
And this was the third okay. time these two were fighting. Um, so what did you think about these two ladies? Uh, they, they had a really solid war here. Um, here's what I wrote. I wrote, damn, these women want it. Uh, Seal and Ayaka throwing rights and lefts. Um, Ayaka has a beautiful quick jab. Uh, Seal smartly keeps following her jab with a left, and, her, and that's why she keeps connecting. Both women are picking their shots carefully and landing. Ayaka more solidly. Then Ayaka cracks, cracks Seo in the brain a few times for round one. And then round two, Seo uh, keeps trying not to get tagged with a right hook, to no avail, unfortunately. And Seo um, re- uses her reach to land a kick, but it's caught, and she ends up uh, ends up struggling on her back. Uh, went for a Tony Ferguson Ultimate Fighter lane heel kick, but didn't uh, find her target. Mm-hmm. And then Seo's got her in a triangle at some point. Oh yeah, that's like um, for the entire round, almost. Yeah, where she's pulling down on her head to tighten the choke. Uh, Ayaka looked to be fading, but smartly she dug her elbow into the stomach of Seo which alleviated pressure. Um, elbows and back fists while Ayaka still struggles. struggles. Jeez. Um, let's see. Sio is out of the ring under the rope, landing hard elbows to the crown of Ayaka's head. She does not like this. <laughs> I wrote that 44 seconds ago, and she's been taking elbows to the dome this entire time. <laughs> Round ends... And Ayaka has 30 concussions. Um, then that's that's round two. Round three. Everyone looks super worried, but I don't speak Japanese, so I'm assuming it's fine. Ayaka has Tio's number standing. Connects hard with an overhead right hook. Tio uh, can take a punch. They're, they start dropping bombs. Uh, Ayaka with a nice leg trip into a judo throw. Um, Ayaka has Seo in a bad position, arms trapped in side control, punching Seo in the brain. Ayaka shoots up with seconds left and soccer kicks her forehead trying to get the KO. Respect for just not trying to just sit back and win the round via, uh, via decision. She had the round completely and, like, there's seconds left and she shoots up to her feet and tries to kick the girl in the brain. And then, um, this is what I wrote. Yo, what? Apparently Ayaka knocked Seo into a different dimension where you win by getting your face punched. Seo Young wins somehow. So you disagree with the decision? I'm sorry? You disagree with the decision of giving it to Seo Hiham? Yes, I do. I really did. Why? Was there controversy there? Oh yeah, it was a split decision win. It, you know, I think the deciding factor was probably the third round though. Um... Because here's the thing, I think I think Hamazaki won the first round. Like I think she won that hands down. The second round. See, here's the thing. With the second round. So, the question is, with a submission. So here's the thing. If you have somebody in a submission, the idea is that it's supposed to submit somebody, right? So if you're not, right. if, you, if you have somebody in submission and they're not submitting, are you doing it correctly? Should you be awarded points for mm, doing for for? Yeah, if it's just, you're trying just like holding holding them there, and you know and. That's what Ham did the, basically the entire time with Hamazaki. She just was like, Hamazaki, you know, didn't tap. It's assumed that if that was a proper triangle, she should have tapped. She right. should have been able to be in that. 
So I I know that there was people who were, there who were saying, listen, if Hamazaki is defending it and is not submitting, that that should go to her. But then they're saying that if you look at it from an offensive standpoint, Hamazaki really can't do much. It's Tom, uh, it's Tom who's the one who's delivering any sort of offense by putting in a triangle. So that's the so the second round is kind of like how you, I guess, how someone will how they look at how points should be delineated. Because then the third round was a little bit even, I think. I the third round could have gone either way. Yes. So what in what do you feel? I thought that Hamazaki won. I thought that Hamazaki won personally. But also here's the thing: Ryzen, they they do the old pride um, judging where they judge they judge the whole fight as a whole. You know, not not and round by. Better, do you think the ending should really stand for more? Well, here's the thing: the you know this is you know this is how some people have won, won UFC fights where they do nothing where they where they do the basic bare minimum for the first two rounds and then the third round like the last one minute they go all out and then they win when perhaps they shouldn't have won or uh, the points are like weird where like it's like it's like a 29 28 or what or whatever so right. the the US reminds me of um uh the style bender fight with uh, Romero yes yes so the problem see so the reason why style bender here's the thing Romero did nothing and style bender did enough to just win like he did the basic yeah. bare minimum to win that that fight. Um, should Romero be? Should Romero be? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Should he be criticized for try, for attempting a different fight strategy though? Because there are times where he really was luring, uh, or at least trying to lure in Stylebender, and he would he would shoot a punch that looked like it could have killed. Yeah, everybody on the roster, you know, like he had a plan, and then I think it just kind of seemed like neither man was willing to deviate from their plan. Yeah, um, neither man. So Stylebender didn't want to get too close to Romero because he didn't want to get punched by Romero, and Romero didn't want to get too close to Stylebender because Stylebender could have knocked out Romero as well. So then you have like you kind of just have a stand a staring contest, and that's what the fight was basically for all the first round. The first three minutes of that fight was almost a staring contest, and then yeah. the second, third fights was barely like, I th- I think they, I think what was it? I think it was it was okay. The championship fight so it was five rounds. I think they out of all the main event matches that UFC has had, I think they calculated that that fight had the least amount of punches and kicks in a fight. I think they 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 they, they counted the amount of, of punches and kicks in that fight to be about forty or fifty. I'm not yeah. talking about attempted. I'm talking about ones that actually connected. Right. And I mean, but yes, that makes sense to me because it was definitely more of a mental fight than anything else. Um, I, I, I didn't hate it, you know? It was just something very different and definitely not what everybody wanted to see or expected to see. I think, I well, no, I hated it because you have, you basically had two fighters not fighting, basically. And yeah. I. That's and here's the thing: some, if your plan is not going the way it's going, you kind of have to adapt. And right. sometimes you know you just sometimes you just gotta like go all all in, even if that's like you risk losing. You know, better to go. I think it's better to go out on your sword than you know, because here's the thing as well: Romero was like acting at the end like he won that fight when like no, 
No, no, no, no, no, no, no. Romero, you did nothing. Not to say that Salbender did any did was any better, but he just did like a like a tiny, tiny sliver more. So, bring it back to the Hamazaki Ham fight. Yeah, depending on how you judge fights is how I think who you would pick to win this fight uh, in the end. But there should there be a rematch? Rematch, absolutely. This fight was way too close, and I think there's got to be a, a in this case a fourth match between the two, to to like, you know. Hopefully, maybe there'll be a definitive winner in this era. What would you say about that? Would you think a, a rematch is warranted? I definitely think so. You know, I, I think I think it would be handled differently. Also, I, I think it's I think it's worth a shot. That's just, I like. There's a lot of fights that I feel. Um, there's a lot of fights that I feel don't get the warranted rematch. Like for me, I don't know. A lot of people disagree, but I think uh, I think. Um, Nate Diaz definitely deserves a rematch there for that fight with Masvidal. Oh yeah. Uh, well, listen. You know, it's also you know, will will the uh, will uh, will the rematch bring you know money in? It will, will it generate enough interest. I think that the Connor Nate Diaz third match would have been maybe the biggest MMA fight up until that point, bigger than the first and second one combined. But it just didn't work out, and I I think now I think the fight makes no sense now. I think it doesn't even get even half the interest that it that it would have um, three or four years ago. You, uh, think, you think like the interest has just died? Yeah, I think I, I think I, I think it's it, I think it's it, it's no longer a talking point or an interest at all. It would have mm. to. It's yeah. Um, if you'd want to do it for the, they can easily garner them back. Like like you don't think they can get that back? I don't think so because here, if you want to do it for both Connor and Nate's return fight, I think then yes, I think you because you have a selling point that this is both their returning fight. Uh, you know, it's it's they both uh, come back or coming back uh, from uh, sabbatical or whatever, and then you know this you know main event it on, on a U on a major UFC show. Yeah, I think that's the case. But Connor already has return fights. Um, Nate Diaz just lost you know his last fight against. Or Jorge, um, so you know it's there's really it is yeah, really no. Lose his best fight in anywhere else that isn't Brooklyn. I I don't, I don't think no I don't, I I, I really, oh, sorry what was that? Do you think Nate loses that fight in anywhere that isn't Brooklyn? I think I think so yeah I think that Nate loses um you mean but the uh doesn't go that same way though. Wait you mean the Jorge fight or the or the or the uh Connor fight? I'll go with the Jorge fight. Um, I think, yeah, I think that Nate, the problem that Nate Diaz is that, <sighs> Nate Diaz fights, has been fighting like Nate Diaz forever, and the problem is that, if you want to talk about game plans, again, that's a, a great example of, of someone who's fought the same game plan forever, and who hasn't really right. adapted, so. Which is talk shit, get punched in the face until the other guy gets tired. Exactly, yeah. And here's, or you know, you wait for the other guy to go for to go for a takedown. You submit him that way. That's how Nate Diaz gets a lot of it. He wins. Right. He's gotten so many guillotine chokes by someone going for a takedown, and he slips it in. But people are smart enough, you know. They and also here's the thing about the Diaz and Diaz brothers. They're both known, not known as power punchers. They're just they're volume guys. So you know, yeah. If you have to get take two or three punches from them. And you can get four or five, or get uh, one powerful shot on them, then yeah, you know, 
that's something I think a lot of players were willing to risk. And I think we saw that with Jorge, was that he was not afraid to go in there, possibly get into Nate Diaz's uh, target range and take those right. punches. Um, so, but what do you so what do you think of this uh, Ryzen card overall? The uh, Ryzen nineteen. It was no, Ryzen twenty, right? Oh, um, sorry, I'm sorry. No, Ryzen twenty. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. Yeah, Ryzen twenty. Yeah. What do you think of their? This is many fans consider this their best card to date, and it was also called one of the best MMA shows like of all time. And actually, there were MMA um, journalists who were like, we should go back and retroactively say. Uh, that the U.S. that we should put this on the top MMA shows of the year because happens that this show was on December thirty first, so everybody already made their top ten shows of the year for for right. like MMA, and so there are some who were like, okay, I'm gonna go back and put this at, as number one. Um, yeah, no, how would dude, like for this to be like a real introduction for me other than that Bruto Crocop uh, tournament that I watched? I love this. I love this show. I love this card. I left knowing that I got everything that I wanted to get. I got some brutal knockouts. I got I got three knockouts in one fight. Um, <laughs> is some some great, excellent talent, and uh, nobody looked like they were just trying to to, to win rounds by by uh, by laying on top of somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the the, uh, the president, CEO of Ryzen, Nobuyuki Sakakabara, who was the president of CEO of Pride. He has publicly come out and said if to fighters or he, that like he has actually said that uh, like we will not bring back fighters who bore the audience. He has said stuff along those lines and has actually called out names of fighters who performed very poorly and said we're not going to bring those people. We're not going to bring said fighter back ever again. Interesting. How do you feel about that? Um. Well, here's the thing. You know. With Ryzen being maybe the number three or four, maybe five uh, promotion in the world, maybe you could say number two, you know, you have to differentiate, you know, USC is always going to get, quote, the best talent. So then here's the thing. USC really depends on your win-loss record. So, uh, like if you lose, I think it's, you know, three fights in USC, they cut you. May not anymore, maybe it's four or five now, but that used to be the USC mantra. Three, fi- three losses and you're out. With Ryan, yeah. though, they have to kind of they have to do something different. They have to say like, okay, listen, do, are we going to have the top caliber fighters that UFC uh, is going to say is going to claim to have? We may not, but instead, we're going to have fighters who are going to be there, who are not going to bore you, who are not going to lay on you, who are they're going to go there for a finish. And if they're not, they're going to at least try and make it exciting. So that's at least a good a, a selling point. I think that makes them very unique. Um, Saying that yes, you know wins and loss, you know wins and losses for the fighter matter in case if you want to advance all that stuff. But we will not, we will not punish you or you know we will not like penalize you if you you know if you come back come back if you lose a fight, um, but still have heart in you. So actually, funny enough, one of the fights I couldn't find for you uh, that was also part of that. So. Um, there was a fight between Hiromasa Ogikubo and, Shintish- and Shintiro Ishiwatari that went to a split decision loss. Um, it was, and what happens that Hiromasa, on his first Ryzen fights in Ryzen 11, uh, for, had a rematch with Horiguchi. And people were like, why the fuck are you having him rematch Horiguchi when Horiguchi destroyed him about five or six years ago? And then what happened was that, so they had the rematch, and 
Hiramasa is totally outclassed. He's getting just like destroyed by by Horiguchi. He's getting he's bleeding and all that stuff. But here's the thing: he is not giving up. He is not you know like he's not he he's he's pushing forward. He's trying to find ways to like fight back, but he just cannot. And so, even though it was like a clear like three and zero decision for for uh, Horiguchi, they still brought back uh, Ogikubo. Um, and, um, looks like he might be, uh, uh in the, uh, fighting for the vacant Whitehead, uh, bandweight title at a future show, if Ryzen ever, uh, whenever they have their next show. So, yeah, so at least, you know, it's different than UFC, which, you know, UFC goes by rankings, wins and losses, yada, yada, yada. So, you have to, you have to differentiate nowadays. It's kind of like a wrestling, you know, yeah. as a former wrestling promoter as yourself, you know, you have to be different. If if you want people to actually pay attention to you, isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Couldn't agree more. So, but you know, we're not here to discuss Ryzen. We're here to discuss your new podcast, which is uh, just started. How long ago was it? About a month ago. Uh, yeah, a couple months ago. We've been getting a little bit more um, more noticeable on social media and taking that more seriously as of recently. But uh, yeah, we have two episodes up right now. And uh, we are in the process of filming our third, which uh, which we'll be editing, and that should be coming out uh, sometime within the month. So, question: What does the name Top KVLT stand yeah, for? Yeah, it's, it's Top Cult. Um, top. It's, it's, okay, it's so this is. Oh my god! Yeah, it started as a play on. Um, uh, it, it's the the podcast is me and my girlfriend uh, Blaze Doll, and uh, we are added horror buffs enthusiasts. Call us what you will, and um, when we we wanted to start putting events together, so we were putting together horrorthons, and we wanted a, like a, a name. We needed like a production name, and we used to watch shows together, uh, like which would be in at her house, and we'd be watching shows online, and um, we, we we would we would like pick ridiculous shows that we could make fun of and watch, and one of them was Top Chef, uh, and so. Uh, there's, that's where that comes from. But then the cult, the KVLT, is a it's a specific Norwegian way of talking about like uh, black metal, and it's like uh, like like Varg and Mayhem, like that that whole world. They're, they talk about true Norwegian black metal, but how they how that would be written would be T R V uh, E for true, right? Uh-huh. And then. And so cult is, is KVLT. So I think the reason why I thought it was top cult is because it's all a top KLVT, K, KVLT was because it's all capitalized. So I assumed yeah. it was like all one. It was just like top KVLT and the KVLT was like supposed to stand for something. Because here's the thing, I think they, I thought the K stand for, for your first name, but now I'm trying to figure out what does the VLT stand for? Right. Yeah, no, it's 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 top cult. We we uh, we think of our, ourselves as um, part of the horror community as well. So like, we like to gather a group of, of knowledgeable horror fans that all like to share in the in the horrible indie gore, the the the, the kind of films that you wouldn't really see in the theater now. You know, when like, because because a lot of people will say that you won't like they won't make horror movies the way that they used to. And it's just not true. You're just not, you know, like, you just need to know where to look. And if you're somebody that, need, that needs to get, like, all your, your radio stations and stuff spoon-fed to you, then you're not going to find, like, 
where the passion and the blood and the sweat and the tears lie, where that's making all of the best art. So I know that you get a lot of your stuff from Shudder as well. Do you for, for use Shudder to find uh, movies to recommend? Yeah, we just do a lot of research. Um, like it's always it's always nice to find something new coming to Shutter. Uh, it's just an excellent streaming service that uh, provides anybody who wants to dive into horror uh, a great place to start because they have some some brilliant classics. They they have new movies that that kind of fall by the wayside. They really have everything. So um, I know that you said you only had two episodes. Uh, you have a third one. Is there anything you could say about the third one or, like, give any Yeah, hints? sure. Um, so the third episode we're doing is uh, we are doing an episode. All right, so the first episode we did, we basically made fun of the 2001 slasher movie Valentine. Which is good. It's a good movie. You know, it's, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's right up there of Urban Legend where it's, like, it's, I would put Urban Legend above Valentine. But where it's, that. it's, like, indirectly, it, like, manages to not be, like, so, like, you know, it was part of that, like, you know, all, all those Scream rip-offs, you know, Scream, I Know What You Did Last. I think I, I Know What You Did Last Summer is, like, one of the worst. I don't know why people... I, I completely agree with you. I don't know why people, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer. It's, like... No, it, it's pretty terrible. And then Scream itself became a parody of itself with Scream 2, somehow. It was a parody of a parody of, of the no, parody. No, it, it always started as a parody. It was, it was a little bit more tongue-in-cheek and more clever in Scream 1. But I think that Valentine just, like, it's just, like... It's Valentine so, fails at being a slasher movie. Uh, there's just nothing. There's nothing in it that is really imaginative or creative. It, it, it it's a complete paint by numbers movie uh, that really was just counting on its cast to get it somewhere. But I think that's what works because it's just so generic and like it, it makes no and no. And here's the thing: you know what that that movie has like quite a cast. But, uh, that's what I was saying. Is like it relied on its cast to really get it anywhere, to, to make it any money whatsoever. Um, so, and then uh, you reviewed that, and then the, sorry, what was that? So that was a big cast for its time. Yeah, and then the second, well, this, your second episode, you had you reviewed two movies, VFW yeah, and Bliss. We did a we did a, a double feature for Joe Bagos where we um, in the episode. We act like it's his birthday when, uh, in actuality, his birthday is in October. So we do a whole thing where we wear the party hats and we have balloons and we have the streamers and we celebrate Joe Bagos's birthday. And we review uh, his two most recent movies that came out, which are Bliss, which is available on Shutter, and VFW, uh, which is uh, available uh, video on demand. And buy that wherever you can. It's worth it. It's so, fantastic. you know, you're a second person... So there's another horror movie podcast that I watch on YouTube, and they also mentioned VFW as well. So sell me on VFW. What is? I mean, you obviously did it on your podcast, but tell me now, like, wh why has why have I heard more about VFW in my because, life? Because VFW is a movie that doesn't uh, they don't make anymore. It's it's a movie of yesteryear. It, in a way, it's like an indie Expendables done correctly. Where you're celebrating uh, war veterans, you're celebrating these these older men heroes uh, who who aren't who aren't like too prone to, to who aren't quite PC friendly, you know that they they're able to say what's on their mind because they're men, and like you're you're celebrating the action hero of the '80s really, and it's like it's a team camaraderie thing. But it's also at the same time cleverly a nice, interesting 
twist on on zombie movies. Um, do you know what the plot is? Um, I I from the it's about war veterans who take on like zombies or something. Okay, so it's like um, a girl manages to really piss off this drug lord gang of of like millennial punks, right? And she's she's running from them and she hides herself up and holds herself up in the VFW with our with, with, with our war veteran protagonists. And now you have a bunch of punk millennial junkies uh, coming to try to kill the woman and now the war veterans and get into the VFW. And now you need the war veterans to protect her and the VFW. And so it's just a lot of fun. It's beautifully lit. Um, there's so much practical effect gore it's create that's just wonderfully creative. I don't know if you know Joe Bagos and his, the other movies he's made, uh, The Mind's Eye and Almost Human. But um, The Mind's Eye is another movie he's made. He has a very, um, he has a, a, a very, like, I don't, I, I'm sure you've seen that, like, there's a major, um, uh, there's a major fad where people are capitalizing on the 80s aesthetic, right? Well, is, do we have Stranger Things, though, to uh, thank for that, basically? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the big um, mainstream one. Yeah. That's the, the most successful of that, yes. Joe Bagos is fine now. Um, and, and he's one of the most successful with it. Uh, the He basically, like, without... Quite, quite without the rights. Uh, if you watch the Mind's Eye, it's essentially just scanners too, of of like David Cronenberg scanners. Like it's just, it's like it's like it's like an unofficial sequel. Uh, all of his movies pretty much are uh, all have the same composer, Steve Moore. So they all have that same uh, synth '80s feel, like Carpenter feel to them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, all the. There's a, a lot of like neon lighting with light with uh, reds and blues, uh, capturing most of the shots, and they're, they're they have such a they have a very unique feel to them. Everything's uniquely Joe Bagos. Um, yeah, well, but so in that episode we we celebrate his birthday early, and then by the end of the episode we learn that we don't have the right birthday, so we we throw a tantrum and break some lights and pop some balloons and storm off. So, so what's uh, anything you say about the third episode? Yes. So the third episode, what we're doing is we decided we want to do something a little different for this episode, where we are going to watch. Um, I for whatever reason I have a lot of guilty pleasures, and uh, one of them is movies where strangers are being sat at a table and being forced to play some kind of sick game, right? Where where they need to torture each other or themselves. Uh, to survive, you know, like a like a would you rather or vile or there's and there's a lot of movies in this in this um, in this genre subgenre. I feel like yeah. that was like a big thing, like around 2006. Remember Netflix had like a bunch of like what was it, The Invitation, and then there was a uh, right. The, right. The it, one it was a little bit smarter. And there was another. The but yeah, those movies. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Perfect Host with uh, that was it. with Malcolm and Fraser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. David Hyde Pierce. Yes, that's it. Um, but yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of those, and I haven't watched them in a while. So we, we feel like we're going to, and some of them we haven't even seen. So 
what we're doing is we're going to watch six or seven of them, and then we're going to review the entire subgenre, and then we're going to quiz each other uh, on the movies to see if we can remember what came out of what movie and what was from where. So what what would are, would you so now the horror genre seems to be kind of like now it seems like horror genre like every you know like it seems like every generation horror seems to be like one thing you know after Halloween it was you know just slasher movies eighties you kind of had like that weird body horror David Cronenberg thing nineties right. you kind of had. You up uh, early nineties, you kind of had like the thriller horror, not so much horror, but thriller horror. And then after Scream, obviously, you had all those Scream ripoffs. And then right. kind of like uh, around two thousand, a little bit like mid two thousand, you kind of had like the indie horror kind of takeover with like Dog Soldiers and Descent, mm-hmm. Devil's Rejects. But now the horror genre, and correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be like the Blumhouse era. Whereas, Honestly, I had one word in my head while you were saying all this, and it was Blumhouse. And, and that's exactly what it is. And where it's like, the, the Blumhouse, you know, I don't, I'm going to guess you're probably not a fan of, Blum, fan of Blumhouse. Um, see, that's, that's my problem. I, I, I can't damn an entire production company. You know, like... It, 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 it reminds me of, like, some aggravating conversations uh, that you can have in, like, movie uh, groups where somebody will say that a certain production company uh, creates certain vibes and or and it's, it's like, it's not, even a product, it's not even a production company. It's a distribution company. So it's like you have, as long as you don't just have, like, a dictator at the helm of, of, of the ship where, who says every movie needs to feel, look, and and be exactly this, like, almost like, almost like, like, what the Lifetime channel does with their movies, you know, like, you could say that with that, but, like, for Blumhouse, you have so many different filmmakers with so many different looks and, um, and motivations for their films, so it's, like, it's hard for me to hate the whole thing. Obviously, there's a lot of, uh, just rushed out dog shit, um, but sometimes that can be really fun, you know, like, there's a lot of shitty shitty blumhouse movies that i have a great time watching um what comes to mind is like uh not truth or dare but wish upon wish upon is almost as funny terrible as like the bye bye man which i don't know if you've seen those two no i have not if no if you want really shitty horror but you'll that you'll laugh through because of how bad it is. That's that's the gold. Wish upon is gold. Now here's the funny thing though is that Blumhouse, in a weird, unique way, has become a brand. Very rarely do movie studios become like a brand. Like here's the thing: I saw, I watched Escape Room a few weeks ago, and I wasn't because that's on our list. It's okay. I, I mean that's what that's what it is. It's, it's, I can tell that it would be better if it had some gore because it's PG thirteen, right? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yes. It was PG thirteen. Um, yeah. And I could you you immediately know that as soon as like the first death happens. Oh, this is a PG thirteen horror movie. But I thought mm. as I was watching, this, oh, this is a Blumhouse movie. But like it turned out, no, it was not a Blumhouse movie. It was a Sony movie. It was made by Sony Pictures. So Blumhouse has kind of become in a weird way the face of horror now where people are, are like assuming that like every 
mid-budget horror movie that comes out is a Blumhouse movie. And that, yeah. I, I can't remember the last time a studio ever became, like, its own brand where people go, well, that's a Blumhouse movie. That's a Blumhouse movie. That's a Blumhouse movie. I guess movie. I would say maybe Miramax. Oh, you mean, like, the, the Miramax, um, you know, the, the prestige the movies? Miramax that they, well, because also Miramax, remember, not, not even Miramax was, like, independent films. If there was an independent film, it was, like, most likely Miramax. Uh, Clerks, yeah, I mean. Chasing Amy, all that stuff. And then... Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Like Scream. Scream was also Miramax, wasn't that's it? That's true, yeah. Oh, yeah, Miramax also was Scream as well. So, yeah, so, yeah, probably not since Miramax has, uh, probably there been a studio that, probably like... Probably, it might be New Line. New Line? I don't think... I think Scream was New Line. Was, was I feel like Scream was, was Miramax. Um, no, wait. I think Scream might have actually now. I, no, I think it was Miramax. I'm pretty sure Scream had to be Miramax. I feel like I'm going to double check on this. Okay, just so, I'm going to double okay, check on this. It was okay. It was Dimension Films. It was Dimension okay. Films, which was owned by Miramax. It was like they're basically their horror uh, division. So, yeah, you're kind of right. Um, but uh, so what do you think about the state right, of horror right, right. now? Do you think the do you think that the horror movie business is good now? Is it bad? Is it just the same? What are your overall thoughts on the horror movie genre in this well, present time? We're talking about big COVID nineteen, right? What's say well? Let's say uh, two thousand seventeen, two thousand to to present. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm not talking about anything before being affected by everybody having to stay inside. Um. Then. I think because everybody's willing to, because technology is getting better, people are able to try and like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to gather my thoughts for this because Amazon Prime makes it pretty easy to, um, to put something up, you know, for, for them to uh, buy it out, you know? Yes. So, like, there's a lot of freedom in horror and, uh. I think that's what's most important is is you can really do like that's the genre where you can really push limits and push boundaries and your most controversial films will probably be some kind of horror. Um, I, I think it's really all about just knowing where to look, knowing which directors and, and, and visionary minds to follow. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have to weed through a lot of horse shit to find some good stuff. Well, that, before I, I gotta interrupt you and actually talk about that because I think that's a problem now with a lot of digital services is that we're in an era of content over substance where people were these were any type of you know YouTube or you know, or Shutter or Netflix whatever they will you know it's the idea of getting as much stuff as possible to try to get as much people to watch and it's kind yeah. of, there's kind of no. There's no filter, almost, to... It's very good that you said that, because I completely agree. In terms of... It's actually why I stopped um, subscribing to Netflix, is because I realized that they got rid of a lot of good horror, and they made some kind of deal with, like, Indonesia or something, where they have, like... Most of their catalog now is, is like, really low-budget, uninspired Indonesian horror movies. And it's like... All they care they they care about um, uh, uh, qu uh, quantity over quality, 
And it's not about what they have. It's about, okay, but we also have this. Okay, but we also have this. Which is why I, I, I got rid of them because I really don't like how they treat um, television shows. Because they go, okay, we now have three seasons. Now we can put this in the catalog. And then they cancel it, whether the show is done or not, so that they can move on to show you how much more they have rather than what they have that's good. And so, well, here's, you know, Netflix, you know, in terms of horror, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what are they, I mean, what, did they do the Haunting on Hill House and um, uh, Bird Bird Box? We can, we, can, we can do an entire show on the two things that you just named and why I hate them so much. <laughs> but here's the thing as well, you, at least with Bird Box, you can't deny that those became, like, Overnight meme meme sensation. It, 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 it blew up for sure, and I and I will I will I will dis disregard that about it. I just I'll I'll, dis, I'll disregard the the quality of it. Same thing with uh, Haunting on Hill House. I had major problems with. Uh, there's actually, I think the reason why I'm so mad at it is because there's one episode of that show, and I think it's episode six, that is absolutely brilliant. And everything worked so well, and it's really one of the best hours in television history. And everything around that episode makes me so mad because it's nothing close to that episode. Well, I, there's beautiful, brilliant 360 shots that are like 15 minutes long in that in that episode. Um, the horror is subtle and like in the background instead of just being CGI and jump scares, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, here, well, here's the thing: is well, do you think so? What are do you think do you do you think that horror is 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 on a good trend, on an upward trend, or a downward trend, or what do you think? Where do you think horror is gonna go from here? Uh, I think is I mean, I think. As long as we have creative freedom, like we're going to still have some incredible films. You know, like just keep following, like know who to follow and support the people that you like so that they can continue to turn things out and evolve and grow as filmmakers. Um, horror is horror is an interesting genre because there is a lot of people that recognize that it could be easy to do with a low budget and to make a quick buck and hope that that gets them out there to, to, to spawn onto other things like, um, when not bird box, but was it bird demic, right? Yes. When, when some, suddenly people started realizing that people will make afternoons out of watching a bad movie. Um, there, there started to grow a subgenre of that, where now you have intentionally bad movies, and do you talk? You mean like the asylum movies or those sci-fi movies that are like it's like Velocity Crocodile versus right, Raptor, right, all that yeah. stuff, mm -hmm. and that doesn't have the same heart because it's just. It's 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 a trying to make you laugh and it's trying too hard, and they don't realize like like the room isn't trying to make you laugh, like so it's not in on the joke with you, and because if it is it's awkward and it, it's not you don't get the same reaction from it. It's it's it it doesn't it doesn't work as well, and 
that's always going to exist in horror because people realize that they can do that. And unfortunately, you're going to see some terrible options in horror. You're going to have your, your PG-13 throwaway Blumhouse movies. Um, and I don't know. Is it, is it any different, really, than every other genre that you're going to have absolute trash? Well, here's the thing I've learned is that at least years ago, when you made a trash movie, nobody remembered it. I'm not talking about, like, good trash movies. Like, you made a bad, shitty movie, no matter what genre, nobody, uh, nobody, like, it's like nobody remembers them. You know, you, you go on IMDb and they have, like, a 4.5 out of 10 or 5.5, and it's, like, 1,000 or 2,000 votes. And, like, you're like, oh, yeah, definitely nobody remembers that movie. But, right. but, but like, okay, I know you hate, don't hate Bird Box. I mean, you hate Bird Box, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people who out there who love that movie. There's a lot of people who were like, this is, like, one of the best horror films mm-hmm. I've seen in such a long time. And, you know, th- that movie has over 100,000... Probably more uh, has probably like has like six digit votes on IMDb. So that means that tons and tons of people have seen that. Same thing of House on Haunted Hill, and a well, bu- it's also most accessible. You know, like Netflix is essentially the radio now. Mm. Like people, people think that the top forty is what music exists now, and then that's it. And then they'll say. Oh, music is dead now. Nobody puts out anything because the radio just keeps showing me the same seven songs. Mm-hmm. Netflix, you have the same. You have the same thing. You have, you you you. That's your box that's telling you what there is. And if you don't look outside of that, you're never gonna find where things with the beating heart are. So just to clarify as well, Bird Box is a six point six out of ten on IMDb and over two hundred fifty six. Thousand votes. That's a lot. Yeah, I'm not. Su- I'm not surprised by that at all. But here's the thing: is that so? So, but here's the thing: so, you know, probably if this if Bird Box had come out fifteen years ago, I don't think anybody would would be talking about it now. It would it would have been forgotten. It would have been a fart in the wind. Nobody would be even. It would not be on anybody's radar. But coming out now. It may right time, right place. I think the cast has a lot to do with it too. Andrew Bullock, really? Yeah. Well, yeah, because, because people because it was for a Netflix original movie, and Sandra's a pretty big name for for a Netflix original movie. You know, this was before the the Irishman and things like that. You know. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. So. Obviously, Netflix promoted the shit out of it. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, when you would log on to Netflix, that's the first thing looking at you. You know, so you get the horror people that way. You get the people that love Sandra. You, you had, uh, what's that guy that Kevin Steen threw off the uh, stage? I know. Machine, Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, okay. You have that guy in it, you know, for whatever reason, that'll attract somebody. It was, it, it, it was just kind of more of a... Um, like a, a marketing movie than anything else. So, what do you think that? Well, uh, so what do you do? You think that horror can't? Do you think it can flourish in in these uh, in this streaming era more so than you know a non-streaming era? I think so for sure. Um, flourish for horror is a, is an interesting word because. 
it's already niche, you know, you're, you're, you're already dealing with the subjects of the yeah. well, I think, I think that some horror, you know, there's obviously like different subsections of horror and some are more niche than others. Like, okay, Campbell Holocaust. Yes. Well, well, what, what I wanted to address though, is that it's niche in a way where you're, you're dealing in dark subject matter. Yeah. So there's, there's. You know, there's a lot of people in the world of, of, of older ages, of younger ages, that you're already um, excluding with, with subject matter of murder and satanic rituals and, uh, you know, like dismemberment, whatever, you know? You're like ghosts. You're like, it's, it's, it's the only genre I can think of that already, because it's going to be something that's intentionally trying to scare you, it's going to detract people. Nobody says, fuck that, I'm not watching a comedy because it's trying to make me laugh, you know? Hmm, I see, I see. Um... Flourish, as long as people love horror, and I think they always will, because it's it, it creates its own thrill, you know? Like, um, people will always find good horror, as long as they have people telling them where to look, or as long as they're doing the research themselves. Do you think that horror now? I know you love gory horror. We talked a little bit about it with VFW. Um, yes. Do you think horror is on? Do you think horror has gotten more gorier or less gorier um, as generations have gone on? And I'm also just going to clarify why I say gore. I don't, I mean like so like okay, Halloween is not a gory movie, but it is a violent, violent movie. Like, but at the same time, uh, there's like no blood. There's no blood in it. There's literally no blood in that movie, as as far as I remember. But then, like you know, okay, yeah, you have something like Devil's Rejects, where like people are being decapitated, like right on screen. So, right. so I want, so let me, so yeah, let me say, do you think that movies uh, now are are becoming, are are shine le- less from on screen gore and more doing kind of like safer violence in a way? Um, well, we use Halloween as an example of what it was, but it, again, it really comes to where you're looking because you also at the, around that time you you know and before you had guinea pigs, flower of flesh and blood, which is all gore, you know, and all all vi- all visible gore. So comparing Halloween to something that is like I will say you can really compare what Halloween is now as far as gore to what it was then, and I'll completely agree with you there. Um, I think now Halloween misses the magic of, of the mystery of Michael Myers, and, and they focus more on the gore where it's something that isn't... I mean, if you're talking to me, I'm never going to say, hey, don't make my movie gory, but was it necessary? No. Mm-hmm. Do you think that 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 movies okay so like the escape room movie you sound disappointed that it wasn't gory that they kind of just they kind of uh, were that they were afraid to because they wanted to get a PG thirteen movie do you think that more movies are doing do you think that that PG thirteen horror movies are going to be more of a thing of the future? Um, if they're low budget, sure. Because it was the opposite. If yeah, low budget used to be the opposite, it's like they're, it's like throwing a dart. At a board and, and and hoping to hit something that sticks with that, you know. Because it used to be that the low budget people will watch that because they weren't as because they were more gory than the than the mainstream ones. 
But it sounds like you're saying that it might be the opposite. Well, okay, what it all really stems, what it really comes down to is studios are terrified of taking chances on original ideas. So if they make something, if they're going to have a horror movie come out, they're already scared because, let's say, it doesn't already have a source material. So they're not guaranteed a section of people that will go see it because it was already a big thing. So if they're going to make a movie that's a horror movie, they're already excluding people because it's horror. So what they do is they go, okay, well, we'll, we'll make it low budget. We'll, not, we'll at least make it PG-13 so we're not actively excluding anybody. I see. In hopes to make the most money that they can make. Do you also think that, you know, um, that maybe the current, you know, um, certain, I guess, political ideals, you know, Sir, sir, like okay, so we recently just did a, a a podcast on the movie Night of the Comet. Have you seen that or know about it by any chance? Night of the Comet. It's that, a, did, didn't that just recently come out? No, no, it came out in nineteen eighty four, um, and uh, it's a it's basically about two two valley girls who who survive the uh, a comet that destroys the Earth, and basically have to survive in the apocalypse. Right. And so one of the things I discussed with uh with, uh, with the guy, with the special guest we had on the podcast was. Can a movie like this be made now? Can you have two valley girls? And when I say valley girls, I mean two girls that who are not the smartest apples in, in, in the basket. Can you have a movie like that made now and not and it not being controversial? Because it, you kind of have to do the opposite of you kind of have to make uh, characters, you know, almost infallible, uh, especially minority. You're, you're, you're right. You're saying minorities and women. Well, yeah, because because you know you have the Star Wars example where um, Ray is virtually there's nothing she there's no fault about her she is perfect she can do everything again um, again you and I can do an entire episode on Star Wars or just even this new failure of a trilogy which hey but, listen you said that that the first movie was great and I told you no it was shit and you, I, I because because the first movie was exactly what it needed to be and and it got you to remember why you love Star Wars again. There, there was there was an energy and a love to it, and and I like that's still a fun time to go back to. Um, I, I really don't even hate the Last Jedi. There's things about it I really don't like at all. But the new one I saw, I in the middle of seeing it, and I, I was really like I didn't want to at all, but I but I eventually did it for somebody else. Um, in the middle of seeing the new movie. In my brain, the same sentence just kept going through my head over and over again. And it was, I will never watch this again. Well, here's the thing. I think with The Last Jedi, you know, here's the thing. I don't think that Rian Johnson is like Hitler or anything. But here's the thing is that, you know, the whole idea of having Luke, you know, turns back and forth. You know what? That could have been interesting. The problem was that the, the way that's the, the most interesting part of the movie. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the problem is that like the, the reason why, because, because... Be- because he tried to kill a child. That's the other thing. Yeah, right. And it's like... I love. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the fact that, right, like, nobody watched Ryan Johnson. He just wrote his own script. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know that guy that you guys grew up with for, like, 40 years? Yeah, he tried to kill a child. Exactly. I, I think it's really funny. So, but, yeah, but going back to the horror thing is that, you, is that, you know, can you have a, a movie where... You know, you have the the woman in peril without it being considered misogynistic, or you know, you know, it used to be the joke, you know, oh, the black guy used to always get killed, uh, be the first guy killed. 
Can you? Okay, well, here's here's the here's the long answer to that. Not coming from Warner Brothers, not coming from Paramount, not coming from your big, uh, your big production companies, your big distribution companies. But there again, there are people that are on that are on their own missions to still bring you art that they want to make. That where you know, like, because I, I don't. Here's what it comes down to for me. I think it's wildly disrespectful to take somebody's script that they work on, their story, and say, "Oh, looks like your 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 the your work of art that you're making is just full of white people." But why why isn't this person this? Why isn't this why isn't this person that? Uh, everybody every script needs to have exactly this many characters that are these ethnicities and these genders. We like and. You lose storytelling if you make every single story look and sound the same with the same um, over-the-head with a hammer message. You're going to hate Escape Room then. Escape Room does exactly that. They have one of every... They well, do that. That's the thing is I probably won't even recognize it now because it's just... Like, obviously they do that. And it's like they have to because Twitter exists. And if, and if Twitter didn't exist, then none of these companies would feel like, like they like they had their balls in a vice, you know. Because mm-hmm. I do. Do you think that horror itself is politically incorrect as just a genre by itself? That's a very interesting question. Well, because here's the thing: um, I also I I like to point out because one of the jokes we also made about Night of Comics. Yes, because there's murder. You're you're. I mean. There are people that will be like, oh, it's an outrage that you made a movie on John Wayne Gacy, or it's, it's an outrage that you made a movie on uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or, or Charles Manson. And, it, and it's like they make these rules where they say, um, uh, uh, what, there's a word that I'm trying to think of where um, exploitative, right, where they say you're exploiting something that actually happened. And to that I say, so? Who says we can't? That's a ridiculous argument. Like, you shouldn't do this. Why not? Like, oh, because it's offensive to of seven people. You're never going to make everybody happy. Well, they- if, if in your art you're worried about offending people, then that's your number one, like, worry. You know, but also horror has had that track record. I don't know if you ever seen the old Cisco and Evil reviews where they reviewed like Friday Thirteenth or like the slasher movies, and they'd always say that you know this it's it's you know they're they're very misogynistic, they're they're cruel, they're um that they're you know that they're um that they've walked out of the movies. Um, so you know, horror has always been kind of kind of like the kid that's always been kicked while he's down. You know. Here's the thing about that also is that you're dealing with like aspects of coming of age. So you're dealing with hormones. You're dealing with teenage, teenage. You know, like guy teenagers just want to fuck a lot. You know, mm-hmm. like so these are elements of that you're dealing with. So the fact that it's just realistic isn't shouldn't be a shot at horror. So you I, know, like you're dealing with people that are partying. People that are partying or drinking and having sex. That's what that is. So I don't know what to tell you. You know. Well, um, because I'm all, 
And I think that's the one thing, the important point I'm going to try to make is that if you want to, you know, you can politically correct, you know, the Marvel movies. I don't think, you know, that really matters in the end or like superhero movies or whatever. It's really going to matter because they're going to take a violent dive. Oh, yeah. Well, because also, listen, I think that, you know, superheroes are just changed so often that, like, you know, it doesn't matter. But the problem is, is that, you know, like, and, you know, one of the things we joked about with Night of Comet on the thing is that, like, now you, if you cast the two main characters, they couldn't be, uh, they couldn't be these two uh, airheaded uh, Valley Girls. They would have to be Gina Carano or Ronda Rousey, where as soon as they get attacked by a zombie... They would just they would they would destroy it in like one fell swoop, and you know that I think it's the problem also with the horror genre is that you know is that you know the you know Halloween works because of Jamie Lee Curtis being so vulnerable. Um, yeah. Alien works as well um, because uh, Ripley is also vulnerable as well, at least in the first one. Um, Stranger, well, that's, that's the thing is what, that's uh, that's a very good point that you're making is is growth in a character is very important for your story, for your protagonist. If, you're, if your protagonist is just a Mary Sue, who is great from the beginning, there's, it, there's nothing to invest yourself in. And the same thing goes for professional wrestling. If, you're, if your face doesn't sell, why should I give a shit? Why should the crowd get behind a face that isn't in trouble? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. I always like to point you know, the thing towards, you ever see the movie The Strangers? Yes. I think that Strangers is one of the most underrated horror movies to come out in like the last 20 years. I don't think it gets any sort of recognition. And I think it works because just of how gritty and visceral it is. And that, you know, you know that, uh, whatever her name is, uh, was it Kate? Was it, no, Liv Tyler. Was it Liv Tyler? Yeah, Liv Tyler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. she is not getting out of this thing. She's, you know, right. no one's coming to save her. The police are not gonna, you know, knock on the door, you know. She's not gonna, you know, this isn't, you know, like Get Out or 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 uh, the other one. Um, what was the other one that he made? Um, no, Us. Oh, Us, yes, where, you know, listen, con- plot convenience, uh, they, they, they get a weapon. You know th- that, these, that, that this family is gonna be tortured for an hour right. and a half. And if they escape, like, one of them is gonna be missing an arm or a leg. They're not gonna be getting out of their lives. And that's what right. works about horror is that well, at least that type of horror is that is that is the well, I actually for all for the most part vulnerability in, in horror you know and I think also I just want to point out as well probably the, one of the most egregious examples of trying to um, politically cor- correct a movie was the thing remake or sequel whatever it was where they had to just add that female scientist to the group oh god yeah 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 which here's like I wouldn't have a problem with that if it wasn't like just in so, every other movie? Well, I mean, here's the thing. If it was a remake, yes. But the problem was that they said it was a prequel. Right. So what... It's, not, it's really... It's, it's that, a, that movie needed a lot of work. Well, here's the thing. I really like the ending credits of that movie. Oh, yeah. That's, that's really it. But the problem is that when you have a prequel that takes place in the same timeline as eventually the sequel does, you kind of are saying that this is a... You know... There weren't any women scientists. Right. <laughs> yeah. In Antarctica at that time, especially from Norway. Um, but, 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 but without getting going back on topic, so just curious to know, 
what were what are three horror movies that you would recommend? You know, if anybody, well, if somebody said that, like, hi, Kyle, I am not a horror fan. What three movies would you say recommend to them that they would watch to maybe introduce them to horror? Introduce them to horror as a whole. See, what my, I, I kind of have a process because I've done this so many times, but I'll ask them what they like to see, what they're most scared of, and things like that, because there's just so many subgenres to go off of. But if you're just going off the bat, give me three horror movies, and I don't know what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. Um, give, we could do it where, do you want to give me like three traits of a human being and I'll give you three movies? Okay. Well, they say, well, listen, you know, I don't want anything too gory. Um, nothing that's like before 1980. Um, before 1980. Oh boy. Okay. Um, something, nothing too gory, um, at all. Um, so, oh yeah, I would say not too gory. And not too old. So let's say, actually, I'll even, I'll even make it hard. Before, not before 1990, because I forgot that a lot of people consider movies uh, in the uh, before 1990. Like, like actually, I'll even make it hard. Before 2000. Before 2000 and not gory. Nothing before 2000, not gory. Yeah. Uh, does it have to be in English? Uh, let's say... N- yeah, because you're creating a, a, a really interesting person with this. If they could watch, if they could read subtitles, but they can't watch anything before two thousand. Uh, okay. I uh, let's not make them totally like stupid. Okay. Uh, no, international films are okay. Okay. All right. This person doesn't exist, but let's do it. Um. That's actually not true. I'm gonna t- the amount of people who were like, you know, who when I was working at Blockbuster Video and were like, you know, oh hey, can you recommend me a, a movie like Cabin Fever? I love Cabin Fever so much. There's a lot more people like that in the world. Okay. Uh, yeah, but but would they also would would they also watch international movies even though they aren't watching? Um, well, here's the thing. Like th- that era. Like if you want, like if if it's a movie like The Ring or Grudge, I think you could kind of get away with it because the remakes are so well known in America. You could kind of get away with it. But like, okay. You're not going to get him to watch a Serbian film if you want to go no, down that route. Yeah. I, don't, I don't usually start with a Serbian film unless I don't like that person. And I'll, I just want them to, uh, you know, get away from me. Uh, okay, so three movies, nothing before 2000, and can be international. Yeah. And when I say international, like, I'm saying, like, French, like a major country. Like, not, not like, the, not, 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 not like, okay. Some from like Somalia or anything. It's got. Oh be- man, you're you're making things difficult now. Okay, 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 that's fine. Because I, I would have said Satan's slaves if they want something. Do they, do they want to be scared? Yes. If they want to be scared, I'm I'm saying Satan's slaves, which actually is, I believe, Indonesian, and it's one of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. Um, I'm also going to say, see, I now I can't say House of the Devil, which is really in like. I try to recommend that to as many people as I can because it has such a look and a feel of the 80s. So if that's the case, then that's out. Um, okay, so Satan Slaves... Well, no, no, as long as it's not made before... If it has a look, that's that's fine. As long as it's made after 2000. Right. So why am I recommending something that has a look to to somebody that doesn't want to see something from that time? There are people who, who, who will not watch movies from the 1980s because they're too old or because they say that they're that the movies are too old, but they'll watch Stranger Things. Or it? Oh, true, true. Okay, all right, in, in that regard. All right, House of the Devil. 
I will recommend that to anybody. It's Ty West's masterpiece. Um, I hope he comes back to horror soon because he really has a knack for it. He did another movie called Innskeepers, um, which is really a, just a great time with great characters. Really slow burn building tension. Same thing with House of the Devil. The Innskeepers doesn't have as good of a payoff. And when you build so much like that, if your movie just kind of dribbles over the tip, it can be frustrating because you you put so much energy and uh, and of yourself into the movie until that point. So, House of the Devil number one. Um, nothing for two thousand. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go old boy. You consider old boy horror? Yeah. Well, here's yeah. the thing. You could always say you can always just tell them, oh, it's like Parasite, because it's made in Korea and they'll believe you. Right, exactly. Well, like somebody, somebody that you're dealing with, like it's good to give three very different kinds of movies, so that when they come back and they tell you, I liked this one more than this one, then you can recommend more things that were more like the ones they liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few more topics I have before we head out. Anthology horror. Do you think anthology horror is dead? No, I don't think it's dead at all, and I think one day. Uh, one day they'll they'll be better than they ever have. Because remember, it's really not collecting. There, it's collecting the uh, the talent. Um, that that remember at one point that was like ABC the Death VHS. Um, ABC the I think is great. Uh, VHS was the first one is very good. Um, those fall off very fast, very hard. But, uh, but the, ABC the Death I think is one of the best anthology horrors. The Ape Creep Show, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's others as well. Um, but I, I love seeing, uh, I love seeing Shudder try to revive it with, with Creepshow. I love seeing Rob Schraub getting some work, which is great. Um, but yeah, uh, real quick, I'll give you my, my third recommendation. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you didn't throw on, I apologize, I apologize. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Um, okay, I just didn't want to leave it, uh, leave it yeah. on, on, on. Okay, so you so, got House of uh, Devil, Old Boy. Old Boy. And, um, going to go with... Nothing too gory. Yeah, this is a this is a conversation to be had. Okay. Um, oh man, I just realized all these movies are fucking really gory. Um, let's go with uh, no, I can't recommend the devils. Um. Do you, do you consider, like, body mutation gore? I think, like, the fly, like, there are the some people, yeah, the fly, like, there are some people who cannot watch a fly. Or, right. Like, uh, that's fair, man. That movie's crazy. But, like, I don't know, like, they're, like, shapeshift, I don't know, what are we defining as a, uh, what's a movie? I'll tell you if it's, like, if it would be gory or not. I think I'm a pretty good judge. Okay. Um, Color Out of Space. Isn't that isn't that the the, the Nick Nicholas Cage movie? Yes, sir. The H.P. Lovecraft Nicholas Cage. Now here's uh, Stanley's return to filmmaking. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's gory. If you had said Mandy, I'd be like, yes, that might be way too gory. Um, yeah, Mandy's crazy. Um, man, you really you really captured this two thousand. Uh, cause. That's the thing. All right, so I'm, I gotta go French. I gotta go French, and I'm gonna go. Oh God, I can't go. I can't go French at all. No, I said like a major country. 
Okay. Well, yeah, I know, but like French French horror was. Very I don't important. think you can use martyrs. Martyrs does not. I think. I don't think you can use martyrs at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. Damn. Two thousand cap gore. Not gore. Um. Yeah, you, you threw me for a loop on this one. Well, hey, but what, what would you say? Would you recommend the descent, or is that would you say that's too gory? I think the descent is very, very underrated. The descent is excellent. Um, oh, like I said, uh, the strangers. I like. I see. See, I like the strangers too more than the strangers one. Real? There's actually people who say that. There's actually people who say. That. I really love that pool scene. I think it's fantastic. Um, um, okay, so I'm gonna go with. Yeah, you know what? You know what? We'll we'll go with your pick. Um, because I just can't think right now. Uh, and I don't want to I don't want to tie you up too long. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, we'll go with the descent, and then uh, you I'll give you another movie when I when I really think about it, and then you can you can tell people that next time. Okay. Uh, three worst horror movies you've ever seen. Three of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. Red Eye. I you that that's, that's not really horror though. That's thriller. And I'm, thriller I was a, horror is, thriller horror would be in the same section as blockbuster. It, well, no, because listen, as somebody who worked at Blockbuster Video, when we when we before when there was VHSs and we, and every movie had their own individual cover or, or like had their had the thing behind the, th- the thing that you took out. That's when they actually separated the things. They just put everything in action eventually. Everything that was that was not comedy was in action. But that was near the end, no. That was yeah. That was when they were. That's when Blockbuster was like the vers- versus Netflix era when they were uh, going up against yeah. Netflix. Everything was action. I I had to tell people, oh hey, where can I where can I find Cabin Fever? Oh, it's in the action section. Oh, uh, where can I find uh, uh, Saw in the action section? All right, I'm taking back my uh, my pick. Sorry, um, go with the witch. Ah, that's a good choice. That's a very good choice. Um, very, very, actually, that one, that's another one, I even, I even forget that one even exists sometimes, just because, like, nobody talks about it, because it's so, that, it is such a good, that's such a great movie. It's a, it's a fantastic film, the, the attention to detail is staggering, from Robert Eggers being a first-time filmmaker, uh, nobody should be such an expert in their craft in their first foray into a medium like that, that's, yep. it's just... He also had the balls to make his to make his cast speak in that dialect, and I actually had to put on subtitles because I had no idea what the fuck these people were saying. Right, it's so unbelievably authentic, and it's just perfect. So okay, so the three worst you said Red Eye, which I don't consider horror, and I actually think is a very I think it's I think is a I enjoyed it the one time I, I, I got too mad at it because. Uh, it, it just didn't seem logical to me. All of her choices did not seem oh, logical. Oh, it's not logical at all. No, no. That's why it works. Because, oh, what am I, I going to... Cillian Murphy was a super nice guy. He was very patient. <laughs> he, was, he really gave her several opportunities to do the right thing. And then she, spoiler alert, stabs him in the neck with a pen for no reason. Oh, remember, she stabbed him in the throat, so that way he couldn't call like the hitmen to like kill her father or whatever. I remember, remember, right, what, what, which, which, at that point, she totally deserved to have her father killed because she was just not trying to help him at all. You remember that was like, like an, like during that like one time they were like making all those movies like on airplanes. So remember the uh the one with Jodie Foster, and then like it was like it was like oh, the, that, it was, wasn't that like a part of the whole snakes on a plane thing or did snakes on a plane come out after Red Eye? I think that came out after. 
Because I remember there was just like a, a genre of just like movies that take place on a plane. Not like even yeah. like not like not like animals on a plane, but just like oh, it's Jodie Foster, uh, defeating terrorists on a plane. You know. Well, um. Okay, so um, we, we got we got Red Eye, which I think is. Not that bad, but okay, continue. Uh, I, I get mad at it and I hate it. Um, also, I, I love the. So, so you already spoiled it. I love the. Remember the. Uh, remember that like that that old couple that are like cantankerous and like they're like a plane about their seats to like uh, what is whatever the actress's name is, and at the end Ray, she goes, Ray, Ray, Rachel Adams, wasn't it? Rachel, Rachel Adams, Adams, yes. And then at the end she gives him the finger or something, and I bet yeah. I I bet at the end of that movie that's what was like the the scene like oh this is we gotta have a scene where the audience claps. And that's like I clap because she stood up for herself. Awful, hate it, hate it. Um, I gotta go Halloween to uh, Rob Zombie's version. Uh, I for so many reasons. Uh, I think the actress that played Laurie was insufferable. I think the uh, I think the whole idea of of Laurie Strode surviving a serial killer, and then hanging up posters of Charles Manson on her wall, is just goes against any real thought process whatsoever. Um, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Now, the first one, though, did you like the first one? There's a lot I don't like about it, and everything that I don't like about it is tenfold in Halloween 2. Um, Michael being so affectionate to his mother and, um, and seeing visions of her and having her convincing him to kill is fucking Jason. So, congratulations on not understanding Michael Myers whatsoever and just doing something to give your wife a part. Well, that's what he does in every movie. He gives Sherry the... He gives Sherry a part in all of them. That's what he always does. It's, 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 it's like, it's like uh, Paul Anderson and Mila Jovich. Mila Jovich's got to be in every Paul Anderson movie. Right. Absolutely. But I, I, thought, I, thought you didn't like, I thought you didn't like Halloween because Michael became a killer because his mom was a stripper. Right, and, and, and that's what we talked about before: is is destroying the the mystery of Michael Myers. That's you, you take away that, and then you just make him like anybody else. I kind of like that because yeah. it was at least like, okay, this is how Rob Zombie intends to make his movie different. I just it, it wasn't, but the rest of the movie is is like not good at all. But like, I think like, oh, okay, the beginning part where he's bullied by the kid from Spy Kid, and then he kills the kid from Spy Kid and the stuff in the asylum of Dane Trejo I thought was interesting because it's kind of like King the remake of King Kong. The best part of the remake of King Kong is everything before they go to the island and then everything yes, after that is like... I, I, before they go to New York, I, I agree. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, show us what they didn't do in the original or the yeah, or they didn't, they only like said, you know, and I just I like that, but like everything else, like I do think that Michael, uh, that Malcolm McDowell as a, uh, as um. Loomis was he was great though. Uh, I wanted. I mean, obviously, I wanted more because Malcolm McDowell. But uh, uh, Danny Trejo, I didn't really. It just felt. It just felt forced to me. Um, there wasn't anything really uh, executed very well. The tree branch kill is cute with the Spy Kids kid, um, but that movie, like, it, it doesn't. After a bit, it just doesn't do anything special you know like it just goes through the motions for the rest of the movie okay what about number three? Oh yeah but um but how but that was for halloween one yes. halloween two 
Oh yeah, Halloween two. I'm sorry, Halloween two. So I I never saw it. So it sounds I like I can't I can't tell you how bad it is. It's just it's just Rob Zombie at the point gives up and he says I don't care. Just I want to make I want to film my wife, and it's just a complete waste of time. Do you think have you seen his newer stuff? What was it Thirty One or like the what was it? The, I watched Thirty One. I like the premise. Uh, I hate how it's filmed and. It's a waste of time also. He, uh, Richard Brake is in it, though, and he delivers some really good monologues. Richard Brake can make anything good. Lords He's, of Salem as well, like about the, like the witches or something? Or yeah, like, that one isn't very good either. Um, he's, not a, he's not the guy to go to for horror. Unless you want all of your horror to be southern and gritty and say things like cunt nugget. Well, you know that basically he's, every movie he's made has been like, it's is it, like other than the Halloween movies, it's been like this is my version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right, exactly. Right, and that, all it is is just making it gritty and southern, and that's really it. And it's, and so uh, number three, uh, what do you think is the worst horror film? Number three of the worst horror film that you saw. Number well, three of the worst horror films I've ever seen. I'm really, I really wish I thought about these things before because I could have given very detailed specific answers. But what comes to my head right now is Seed of Chucky. Uh, so, okay, Brian Chucky, okay, so that was the one that was after Brian Chucky, right? Yes. Okay. Was that the one with, with John Waters, and he gets killed? The director Probably. John Waters? No, I think John Waters was in The Bride, if I remember correctly. Uh... Maybe he wasn't Seed. But Seed has, like, Method Man and Red Man, and, uh, a, a sex change or gender switch at the end, and there's... It's, it just becomes a complete farce of a movie that just stops dead in its tracks. And it's like like I, like I going from the real horror of Child's Play, I think is one of the most incredible scenes thinking back. Like I just, it, when I think about all the scenes I wish I was in a movie theater for, for the first time they played, that, that really is one of them where, where the mother picks up the doll and because she's that the batteries are still in the box after all this time that Chucky's been talking, and she picks up the doll, and turns the uh, and lifts the thing to see the batteries gone for the first time, and the, the doll and like for the first time you really see Chucky come to life. That's just like there's such an unbelievable horror in that. And it's like the same thing where you see the alien and alien for the first time. You know, like these are just moments that can never be replicated. And um. For, for, for Child's Play to be something that, that's so special to horror for me, to see what they do to it in Seed of Chucky is just like, it's just like watching something that you hold so dear to you just continually being stabbed in the chest. Are you surprised that the, the Chucky, uh, I guess, franchise is still going on with the, what was it, was it Asylum of Chucky, the one in like... Curse well, of Chucky? There's Curse of Chucky, which I really thought was fantastic. The one that's in the haunted house. That's in the house, right? That one was good. That one was great. Curse is so good. That's with that's with Brad Dorf and his daughter. Yes. And his daughter plays the woman in the wheelchair. And yes. she she's so good. And it's so good to see her bounce off of her father. And then they have all these really creative little ways to to to, to um to draw back to previous films and the franchise as a whole. It's it's really, really good. And then Cult of Chucky. That was a cult of Chucky. I called it Sign with Chucky. I can't. It, there's really no cult in it, though. That's the thing. Is I hated it. I hated it. Oh, I liked it. I thought it was like I like. It was. I thought it was the. I think it was actually. I thought it was better than uh, 
than uh, Curse of Chucky. I, I liked how it reminded me of like the old Chucky, just like, you know, some not only is he just this violent fucking psychopathic doll former criminal, but now he's totally fucking with, with like this one lady, uh, this one person in the fucking uh, asylum. And, you know, she wasn't crazy before, and now everybody thinks she's batshit. I, it reminded me so much of the first one. It was kind of like the first one with an adult. Oh, I man. love this the, the one with the, this woman who gets uh person who gets killed when the uh, glass uh falls from like the ceiling and just like slices up the lady. Um, I liked it. I really liked it a lot. Curse here, like my problem with Curse is it starts great and the premise for the beginning of that movie, which is like where the where oh I'm sorry cult yeah. where Curse where Curse ends and cult begins. Um, is is a great premise, and you have grown up Andy with Chucky's head, and honestly, the fucking whole movie should have just been these two in a room together, and it's like just that's it. You don't need anything else because of this relationship, you know. Um, but and then you leave and you go to the 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 home, and so many things happen where at some point you just. You throw up your hands. You're like, you're a spoiler alert, I guess. But there's like nine Chuckies. And it's like, okay, we worked so hard to make this doll important again. And now it doesn't matter because everybody's a fucking, everybody's Charles Lee Ray somehow, all being controlled by the same, like, brain. You like, it, it, it just became very silly at the end of it again. And I was like, after you worked so hard to make this, like, serious again and, and legitimate, it just felt like a, it, it just felt like a real backpedal. Okay, so those are the three worst. So, um, oh, I just want to... I can't say those are the three worst, but those are the three that come to mind right now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so just so, you know, uh, before we head off, just, you know, tell us what, what's in store. I know you say you got a third episode coming up for Top Cult. Anything that you can say for the future or anything that you plan on doing with the podcast? I know you're still, still, uh... Still a new podcast, and you probably still yeah. want to experiment with things, but is there anything that you can say that you want are definitely going to be trying to do in the future? Absolutely, yeah. We uh, we got some new equipment, so the shot's going to be better. And the set, we, we, we drastically improved the sound from episode one to episode two, so um, so the, we're, we're drastically improving the video. We got a, we got a ring light. We, all of our lighting will be better. Every, everything's going to look better. Uh, crisp, clear. We're learning from mistakes we've made from the, our second episode. Um, it's, it's, so it's all, you know, it's a process, but everything, we're constantly improving everything. Um, and what we hope to, we, we will be going back to, and, and we hope to do again when the world starts turning is, uh, we'll be wanting to put on, uh, um, events for people who want us to, uh, to, to pick out some horror movies, set up a, you know, like a, a late night, uh, horror kind of screening situation, you know? We'll be uh, we'll be a traveling a traveling band of merry men that that, that want to bring horror to the masses and uh, yeah we'll have some merch and um, yeah just I would say follow us on uh, Instagram slash top kvlt um, and um, and where can people watch the podcast of course uh, they can watch it on YouTube it's uh, yeah, it's a YouTube channel so type in top cult top KVLT and uh, we'll be there. Subscribe to us on Instagram. 
And uh, you subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash TopCult. Do you want anybody follow you on Twitter or, or I'm sorry? I know you also have a Twitter. Do you want to also plug the Twitter or is Twitter? Um, we got the Twitter, but we have a link tree on our Instagram, so uh, I, I don't nothing no, no big announcements will be on the uh, on the Twitter that won't be on the Instagram, and uh, we'd we'd rather we'd we, we'd rather really focus uh, all of our attention on the Instagram. Also, Twitter is a Twitter's a curse. Twitter's oh. a horrible fucking thing that happened to the world. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And uh, so with that, Kyle, I just want to thank you so much for talking for two and a half hours on Ryzen and then horror movies. You know, I'm, I I saw the Valentine episode and I saw the VFW episode uh, as well, so I guess I'm all caught up. So much, I, I caught up on, on your podcast. I definitely want to see VFW somehow because, you know, you covered it and one of the other podcasts I was, I was to also cover it. So I definitely want to see it, and um, maybe I have to give Valentine a rewatch because I did watch it a long time ago. And Bliss, um, you said that's at Amazon, right? Bliss is on Shutter, Shutter, and um, VFW is on demand. Okay, so yeah, definitely check those out uh, since you recommend those, and I'm definitely looking forward to what other what other fucked up movies you guys are gonna be recommending uh, on the, in the future for your podcast. Nope, we didn't, uh, we'll, I'll give you a little sneak. We're doing a little uh, New York Ripper thing that we'll, we'll be recommending soon as well on our Instagram. Great, great. If it, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, you've been listening to the We Are Rising podcast. You can follow us at We Are Rising Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow the We Are Rising uh, fan uh, Discord on at Rising FF. And you can also email us at We Are Rising Podcast at gmail.com. With that, I want to thank you, Kyle. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Be safe out there. Wash your fucking hands. And don't sneeze in anybody's mouth. There you go, man. Thank you so much for having me. Love to do it again sometime. No problem. No problem. Give me some more fights to watch. Oh, yeah. I definitely will. I definitely will. You know, if, you know, if they ever have, like, a, a, a horrible freak show fight, you know, I'll definitely, like, those will be the Maybe it'll just be a freak show edition uh, of uh, Rising Fights I'll just send you. And you can just... Oh, that sounds fantastic. You just that's right up my alley. Just you can bask in like why would who would what normal person would ever book a, a fight like this? Yes, sounds perfect. <laughs>